Streamlabs or Streamyards, excuse me, mm-hmm. is that uh, yeah, being able to do that. But it's all good. We'll we'll figure it out eventually. I mean, if we gotta, if I gotta get on whatever y'all on Zoom or whatever, I'll do that then. Whatever makes hey, it man. easier. Because hey, I'm man. just trying to make sure we can make this stuff as seamless as possible and get get the info out as quick as absolutely. Possible. With sports is. It's barely a 24-hour news cycle. Anymore. Oh, dude, so, you got it. It's less barely. than that. Barely. You know what I'm saying? So things change so quickly to the point where, like, I wrote an article. Uh, when was it? Last week? Yeah, last week. It was last week uh, when I had to write the preview for the Jags in Texas. Oh. I wrote the article. Done. Mm-hmm. Derek Stingley hurts himself, like, on one of the last plays in practice. Got to edit that. Then Tavir Thomas, one of the other cornerbacks, uh, had to have wrist surgery or something like that. He was going to be out too. Okay, re-edit that again. Mind you, these were two of the guys that I had as part of the reason why I thought this defense could help shut down the Jags offense. Now I got to re- basically rewrite like a whole paragraph or so to fit as to why I still think this is going to be the way it is. And if I change my prediction, I got to re- rewrite even more of the article. So that's just the life of being in sports media and shit. It's so much fun. But it's so much fucking work. <laughs> anyway, good people, if you are hearing the sound of my voice, you are watching the very first, the pilot episode of Sucio Sports. Hey! And if you have been watching the CDB Network, then you recognize these three gentlemen that I'm here on this screen with. Me, I'm just I'm just Jermaine, just Jermaine at the underscore Jermaine on Twitter at the underscore on Instagram. Uh, you can look for me on Facebook. I'm gonna make you find me. Um, but I'm just here to to guide the ship to 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 be the adult in the room because I play <laughs> HR at, at CDBN. I am the HR director. And so oftentimes I, I get called away for business because uh, <laughs> things get a little egregious on Susio boys. I would just put it like that. But uh, yeah, we, we here, we, we just want to bring y'all something different to the, to the network because we all love sports. All of us have played sports on one level or another. Some of us have even coached it on one level or another. Uh, so we, we all love sports and typically in our group chats and whatnot, Conversation spaces, things like that. We talk mm-hmm. sports, and it goes on for hours and hours, hours. and hours. hours and hours <laughs> and hours. And hours. We need talk. We talking longer than the Mooney Long song. She said hours and hours. No, this is hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah. It's the God. remix of it. on and on. And it's like, on and it's and in on. multiple places too. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not just in like uh, group chat, like via text message. It's Discord. It's uh, Twitter, Twitter, uh, man. And like sometimes it's like how we communicate, like how we communicate is is a myriad of places and spaces. And like what we're sharing with each other is, you know, when it comes to sports is like we're just all over the map. Like everything is like we're just throwing information at each other. Sometimes it's overwhelming. um, But yeah, it's buddy. And just to. Before we do anything else, me being a rude host, let me introduce everybody that's here. The first man you heard, we're going to be first up. He is the uh, 
I would call him. He's like the 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 he he calls the plays. He's the offensive coordinator at the CDB <laughs> Network. He's, like, he's the he's the Barry Gordy of this shit. Yeah, thank you. There you perfect. Good job, Dre. Good job, Dre. Phil Jackson. He, he is the Barry Gordy, the Phil Jackson of the CDB Network. You know what I'm saying? The uh, one and only Ahun the Shogun. Ahun, hey. tell the people who you is. Hey, listen, fam. Uh, even make it a little bit better. I am the Johan Cruyff. Uh, you dig what I'm saying? Of of this game. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, I am the co-founder or one of the co-founders of the CDB Multimedia, CDB Network, uh, all those acronyms. Um, but uh, ultimately, I knew that we needed um, more presence in sports and who better to um, have lead this conversation than like all of the guys that, of course, if you've seen them on all the other podcasts, like Sports is something that I know that all of them have much more aptitude and understanding for. Um, and it's not just in one particular uh, sport, so to speak, like or discipline thereof. So, um, yeah, man, I'm just here just to just give every bit of support. Um, not only that, it's uh, rare if I get to like as much as we talk, it's, it's much easier for us to converse um versus us just texting or you know because the the conversation seemed to be a, a bit more fluid and you know uh the dynamics uh are much easier to have so um i'm just here for real listen i'm 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 back up even though i might be very gordy listen y'all niggas is michael you know what i'm saying gladys all that <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank well, you. He's, he's Ahan, and we are the Temptations. Yes, sir. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. Think think more in line of like I'm I'm the Shogun, but listen, the uh, the Shinobi are here in the building too. Uh, I just hey. might call the plays, but these are killers out here. He may be Phil Jackson, but uh, Tex Winters, he's at home right now. He's just not on the pod right now. Cause you know, Tex was the the like the brains, the the guy that you didn't know. Like you was like, wait, who's doing all of this work? Who comes up with all of this stuff? That dude, yeah. that would be Sloan. He's just not here right now. He absent. He got the night off. Uh, but we also have, I mean, this guy. He, you you look at Keys and you be like, oh okay, Keys. He probably played basketball or something, or he knows this. Bro, Keys kills me because Keys knows soccer. Like, I'm sitting there, we Ahun was saying something about soccer one day, and then him and Keys get into a whole conversation. I'm like, man, hey, I didn't rough. even know this dude knew soccer. Big man, so, big man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. listen, y'all, y'all are in a bit of a crisis, uh, high key, low key, uh, high key, <laughs> high key, low key. I mean, we've been dropping points. Um, uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I know you guys. This is Portuguese to y'all, uh, <laughs> but uh, our our teams have been linked um, for a number of years, uh, going back to um, Sir Alex Ferguson for Manchester uh-huh. United, and then Arsene Wenger for Arsenal FC. Um, you know, both are revolutionary coaches in the English Premier League, um, 
but our clubs have gone drastic uh, changes. So funny enough, though, is our the owners of both of our clubs are American owners. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously the Glazers, um, mm-hmm. uh, they are the owners of Manchester United. Surprisingly, they've been, well, not surprisingly, they've been trying to sell it, but their valuation for Manchester United uh, is too high. I think they're just trying to go with the trend of global economics, but um, they've had some people that want to buy it. Uh, my club is owned by Stan Kroenke. Uh, most, of, of the- <laughs> most of my team uh, is owned by Walmart. <laughs> most of my fa- most of the teams that I'm a fan of are owned by Walmart. That's crazy. Well, because I'm a I'm a I'm a Nuggets fan, and you know uh, then they got that Walmart money. I'm a Mammoth fan. Wait they got that Walmart money. Huh. Didn't didn't Stan Kroenke at one point in time own the Nuggets? I thought he does own the yeah, Nuggets. Yeah, he, he does. Uh, he does. Yeah, he does. yeah, bro. He owns so, them, yeah. the Rams, ah, Arsenal. Okay. Yeah, so Somebody damn. Else too. Oh, that's crazy. Me and the menu, the menu valuation right? was uh six point oh seven billion according to Forbes in June of this year. Yeah, dog, it's that Walmart money. You can I'm low key Walmart, becoming apparently. a I'm low key <laughs> becoming a Wrexham fan, so you know Wrexham oh, XD, yeah, listen because of Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's understandable. understandable. That documentary got me like I'm a I'm a LA a I'm a LAFC LAFC dude. I that was I'm a I'm a very much a late in life soccer fan. Uh, yeah, and anyone that that knows my anyone that knows my my uh, penchant for for matching my attires knows that there's one thing I'm a sucker for. It's a good color scheme, and uh, I. Black and gold is a fire ass color scheme, and no, I saw these niggas playing, nigga and I was here. like, "You know what? I'm I'm a rock with these niggas." It's crazy. I know you I, don't even I know you don't even rock with the rapids. It's crazy, bro. No, like, no, these hell. niggas is ass. I saw them play live, live and in living color. These niggas is ass. To call them ass is it is a, an offense to the peach emoji. These uh, niggas that's, suck. That's crazy. They suck worse than a New York hooker. Wow. There, and that and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we introduce Dre because Dre be egregious as fuck. Bro. <laughs> I was trying to be there's Dre. Oh, you know it was coming, bro. There's Dre. It, it was it was bubbling up and like he bro. Just, it, it's like it's like he he just gotta get it out. Once he get it hey, out yo. of his system, he gotta at least just like Get it out of my system. Just gotta get it out of my system, <laughs> bro. It, it's like, like, uh, like, like the dog, right? He, he's a little, uh, he's a chihuahua. He's like a chihuahua and a weenie dog mix. And Max got all kind of energy. So when Max get the the zoomies, as they call it, with dogs, he will literally bounce just off the sofa in the love seat in the game room, and you just hear him do 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 do. Now you think that my big ass son would be upstairs bumping around or something? No, that's the little twenty pound dog bouncing around back and forth Ooh, because he, yeah, <laughs> that's Dre. Dre, he just once he get it out of his system though, Max just be chilling. He just be walking around, minding his business, doing whatever. That's normally Dre. <laughs> we be out But here. when Dre get the zoomies, we gotta let him get it out and be agreed. You know, I have a long work day where I gotta be professional, <laughs> so I gotta get it out of something. <laughs> Bruh, it's like at my real at my shoot job, like I'm a customer service manager, so I gotta be nice and polite to everybody, and I'm always handling a problem, and I still have to be nice and polite, no matter how wrong or right whoever it is. 
then I start doing stuff like these pods or writing or whatever. And I still have to be maintain professionalism, be some sort of decorum. It's when I get to be on Twitter or something like that, or when I come on CCO Boys, and I could be like, <sighs> but then I still got to be like, kind of, you know, because I don't want to get in trouble with my other little job because they, <laughs> they're they're pretty. Yahoo is pretty good to me. I will say that Yahoo is pretty good. To me. That's all I'm gonna say. For the sake but, of uh, job, I will keep it chill. <laughs> <laughs> Won't say anything right. wildly outlandish. I've barely been there. I think it'll be two months. Yeah, it's like two months coming up at the end of this month. It'll be two months. That's that Yahoo money. And right, bro, like it's Yahoo. Thursday. I gotta go and and cover a game up on the north side of town because it's a recruit for LSU. So I gotta go interview him and his coach and cover the game and do all that kind of stuff. So. That's kind of why, you know, the guys decided to tap in with me and have me, hey, come do some sports here on the network is because I've literally been doing sports media on and off since like 2009, 2010, roughly uh, here in Houston, whether it's been interning, writing, creating videos or different little things like that, uh, shooting uh, football and basketball games for high schools. I've been doing that since like for 20 years now almost. You want to count that experience, but it's just I just been doing a lot of this stuff for a long time. Um, it's just been a passion of mine that I wanted to tap into and, you know, giving me the opportunity to tap into it in this form, in this manner, just a loose, you know, you call it sports show. It was like it's a no brainer for me. So I was definitely on board. But uh, we're going to get it open. We didn't introduce ourselves pretty much. Y'all know the network. Y'all know how we do. You know, it's not going to be something that is going to be too, too buttoned up because I still like to have fun and everything else. So we're going to start it with a drink. I'm going to pour some heat. Well, hold up. We're going to get it started right since, since this is the first show. Pure why. We're gonna get it started right. I did kill that other bottle. I just had the backup bottle waiting. Oh, so. okay, Uncle JJ, got you. Uh, <laughs> Uncle, JJ. Uncle JJ, I got you. Hey man, look, I'm gonna be honest, and I tell people this all the time. Like, like moms couldn't really spoil us when we was younger, but now that we older and she got it, she she'll spoil us. And that's one of the hey. things I love when she spoils me with is good liquor. So I got like three bottles of that pure white that we ain't open from my actually. Mom's about to take another trip to uh out of the country in like two weeks, so she about to bring me a couple more back. Yeah. I love that. That but, yeah, it's it's good, man. It's um man, my uncle who kind of got me into sports, Uncle Mike, rest in peace. Uh yeah, that was like his favorite drink. That was his favorite drink. And bro, it's been so many times where like I'll I'll have a sip of it and then like like I hear this nigga. Like, no joke. Like, I'll be in the kitchen cooking and, like, I hear something. And the biggest compliment I got, I'm not going to lie, was my daughter. I was frying that chicken. And I said, I just texted her, did you like the chicken? She said, yeah, it tastes, it tastes like Uncle Michael's chicken. <laughs> I was done. I was like, man, can't nobody tell me nothing about my cooking no more. I don't care if I burn everything else for the rest of my life. That right there was validation. 
right. was like, yep, I'm good. I'm solid. I think we all got that. I'm I'm I know this ain't sports related, but I'm I'm like this close on this uh barbecue recipe that my grand my great grandfather used to do. I made it like a month ago and my mom was like, she said, This is this almost tastes like granddaddy's. I was like, <laughs> I, all I could do is smile, bro, because nobody has been there ever since he passed. Everybody has tried, and I'm the first one to get close. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, first topic we're going to get into. Uh, typically try to have a six-pack of topics is what I'll call it. A Sucio six-pack. Hey. So, we don't want to overwhelm y'all or bombard y'all or anything else like that. Because there's so many other pods on the network that we have a chance to outlet other other things and other opinions and whatnot but we just want to kind of give y'all a little taste sometimes we may go long on the topic sometimes we may run through a topic it just depends but we did want to give y'all at least some sort of format or something to kind of keep it fresh keep it light and keep it civil first up is we're all into the nfl season it's we're we're three weeks in now you kind of starting to see who teams are what they're about from projections of the off season through the preseason to now that we're three weeks into the season. What are your biggest surprises and or disappointments so far this NFL season? The Broncos being 0 and 3. We we traded draft picks for Sean Payton for what? This Svengali who was supposed to fix broken Russell Wilson uh has done Fuck all. Uh, and also, he hired inept, inept Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph is the only coach I know that is that did so bad as a head coach, did so bad as a defensive coordinator in another team that he still gets a job again. He, hey, he's easy on be, Vance Joseph. I, I, I know, kind of know Vance Joseph. Easy on Vance Joseph. But I, I get what you're saying. I'm I get what you're saying. I'm going to stand on what I'm saying. I, <laughs> I get what you're saying. You know, I respect But I'm going to stand on what I'm saying because <laughs> you, you double down. I think, I think he has some information on people in high up offices because how does he keep getting these opportunities? Him and wow. Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher, he would go seven and nine for years and he never lost his job. But some of them, what I'm, oh what I'm saying is, is why are y'all surprised about Russell Wilson? Because Bruh, it, this is what I'm talking about. Like that they gave him that contract. Well, that's stupid. I mean, Denver's been trash, bro. I, like, I, like, every- do you need a business degree to run work in a front office of a team of an NFL team? Because because some of these people clearly have not taken like business 101. Because okay, so in my my logic, if what what sense does it make if you say say for example you have a building lease? And it's a building lease that has its off season where you where different people can buy ownership of the building if no other teams doesn't go for it. Like a shared if, space. If, yeah. If you have two years left on a shared space that you inherited mm-hmm. without seeing how the space operates, works, or runs, or even what the lighting is or any of that kind of thing is, why would you sign a five-year extension 
and then get stuck with a dilapidated subpar building because that's exactly what the Broncos did with Russell Wilson. Well, uh, here's my question. What the fuck have the Broncos done since Peyton Manning left? Uh, inept leadership from John Elway. Thing. Yeah, John Elway, I'm talking yeah. to you. You blocked so, me on Twitter, but I stand on it. So with that, what he just said. <laughs> Wait a with, minute. <laughs> with what Dre just said. Of course, I mean, on the shit on the internet. Wow. <laughs> I think Elway is the problem, though, to be completely he's, honest. He's not with, with the organization anymore, though. We can't. We can no longer blame it on him. What What years prior, yes, but he yeah, because he was down. looking for he was looking for him. That's mm-hmm. the problem when you have right. like those execs who were great, the the great execs in the, the great players in executive roles in high positions. They look for themselves in the next whatever Michael Trevor Jordan Simeon, Paxton Lynch Case Keenum uh Brock Osweiler we we've been quarterback character. Brock Osweiler actually was not bad he was not that bad that Bro, Brock Osweiler Browns. was ass cheeks <laughs> tell that to the Texans and the Browns that got stuck he with his contract straight ass cheeks that's but that's it, it goes I, I like saw that. that up close and personal here in Houston Bro, I'm talking about this dude now, y'all, I'm about 5'10", 180. Y'all, y'all, he, bro. like, towered over I, I, don't, me. Don't, don't when let I, the man lie to him you in the locker room. he's 5'10". <laughs> bro, I'm telling you, this man towered over me when I went to inter- – when I was getting uh, a pregame – postgame sound, it was a preseason game. Because I'll never forget. I was like, man, it's cool. Like, I get the uh, – I still got the picture of Peyton Manning when I was sitting in the back of the room. And we was getting a uh, postgame sound for that preseason game. And I'll never forget, bro. Like, I was just like, wow. Like, man, like, it's Peyton Manning. Like, that's Peyton fucking Manning. Like, that's right there a few feet in front of me. I'm still, you know, maintaining professionalism. But Brock Osweiler, bro, Brock Osweiler was taller than the locker. And so I'm thinking this guy has to have a good arm and everything. Because I see him on TV and I see how big this guy is. And I'm like, okay, this guy should be a really good. He should be at least a decent quarterback, bro. Between them ears and the accuracy, and that's when I really started appreciating the when when people when analysts and, and GMs and the like will say accuracy is the best thing in the quarterback. Excuse me, yeah. over you know having athleticism, you know a, a, a strong arm, whatever it is, accuracy is the number one thing that they look for in a quarterback. Yo, to answer Keys's question, not not Keys, sorry, to answer Ahan's point. Um, Post Peyton Manning, this is the list of the uh, quarterbacks who the Broncos looked at as potential starters, franchisers. Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, uh, Jeff Driscoll, Brett Mm -hmm. Reitman, Teddy Bridgewater, Russell Wilson. None of those dudes sound like anybody that I would want to leave my Teddy. organization. Brett Ripon, Teddy, maybe. Brett, Brett Ripon, maybe Teddy Bridgewater. whatever his name is, he wasn't bad. Teddy was a bad fit from the jump because he was running for his life every yeah. snap, like Daniel no Jones does now. Yeah, no. And he never got a chance to throw a pass because he was. So wait a minute. No, it's so, crazy. I actually so, like Jeff Driscoll. That's the crazy part. So you're telling me that. Yeah. The Broncos, who have no offensive line, what it sounds like, and the Broncos, who have how many weapons offensively? 
Cortland uh, Sutton, Philip. We've had Philip Lindsay, Jerry, Jerry no, 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 Judy no. on the team. Bro. Oh, Sutton. The no, team. they got Jerry Sutton Judy and, Judy and, and uh, the running back Javante Williams is actually pretty good. Yeah, Javante. Yeah, he's good. Okay. He's good. So you don't have an offensive line. No, uh, they got Garrett like Bowles, got one or two. Know, what is surprising Bowles used to be our worst lineman. Here's, here's let me let me show you the difference in regards to the surprise, right? Because I'm not surprised by the Broncos, Being my nigga. <laughs> Cincinnati went 0 2 in the first two games. We barely got a win on Monday night because our defense was playing absurd. Uh-huh. That was a good game, great game. So, we saw who Joe Burrow, who is a better quarterback currently in the NFL. He'd be like, fuck it, Jamar there somewhere. Yeah, so, but what I'm saying is, is like, he had no offensive line. You saw what happened. Yeah. So, you mm-hmm. being Owen, how many games with no offensive line are confused about that? What I'm confused about is the fact that we didn't play our starters much through preseason. For Cincinnati, right? The Bengals were a surprise. But then also, too, the fact that it was the AFC North pretty much played all of their division games through the first three, the first two weeks. Yeah, there was got- a ton of division games in that division. Uh-huh. Now, the, the thing is, though, like with those two teams, uh, Denver and Cincinnati, oh, wait, I, didn't I would say Bulls' quote at the end of the game. Uh, when we got shellacked and dragged across the coals by the Dolphins. Garrett Bowles said, I've been here seven years, and all we've done is lose. Which I did find funny because he Garrett, though. Bowles, he Garrett Bowles used to he... be the worst lineman. Whenever we got a holding penalty, he ain't we lying. always knew it was Bowles. He ain't lying, but He's here's the lying. thing. That's I look thing at a like team like no Denver, surprise. and I'm like, okay, I could see why they're bad. Cincinnati, I'm just like, man, I'm trying I was gonna to figure say, it out. I was going to say, because to answer Jermaine's question, I got a couple. The the AFs, I think it's the Bengals being one and, one and two and the Steelers being two one and, and three. one. One and three. Yeah, the Steelers no, no. don't really have one and two. No, it's oh, one and two. It's we... only been three weeks. Yeah, it's only oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, the, Colts, the Colts leading the AFC South right now at two and one. Bruh. That's also surprising. And Crazy. also, the entire NFC North. Because out of the NFC, that's the only surprise to me as of right now. Uh, the NFC East is exactly how we thought it would be. Lions are going to take that division. Uh, mm-mm, I'm, I'm, mm-mm. Uh, NFC West is pretty much what we predicted, 49ers and Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, the NFC South, we all said was going to be a battle pretty much between Falcons, Saints, and Bucks. I think the Saints take it out at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think them in the Bucks, so uh, which is what I said when we all talked in the beginning. I had Saints Bucks battling, uh, but that NFC North is actually the surprise for me because it's flip flop from what I thought. I had Vikings Bears being one two at the top instead of tied for third, mm. and the Packers being two and one is a huge surprise to me because. First year, Jordan you Love. You didn't believe in Jordan Love. I didn't. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm not even going to front like I did. Okay. Either. I'm not Here's shocked by the question. Lions, though. Here's a better question about Jordan Love. It's not it, – because it, nobody believed – who did believe in Jordan Love? Anyone that says they did the and they don't live in Green Bay is yeah, a okay. fucking liar. 
I mean, yeah, that's what I'm get, saying. No, because that's, that's the thing is like nobody really expected Jordan Love to do anything. No expectations this year. When you, when you have a future Hall of Famer leaving your your organization, who took a lot with him, pretty much. And what's, what's surprising? What's surprising to me too is like uh, Aaron Rodgers followed the exact same like career path Brett as Brett Favre. Favre. Uh, the Vikings. Are, he's going to the Vikings next, guys. Uh, Can't wait. I, I think it, I think it might be a wrap for. Hey, uh, hey, I'm not gonna lie though. You put Brent, it, you put Aaron Rodgers on on the Vikings. That's that, Super Bowl. That, that might be that might be that a dangerous Super thing. Bowl. Hey, um, don't, don't, do, don't disrespect Kirk like that. Hey, because I believe Kirk, Kirk Cousins going, is a free agent. Kirk, after this I, well, yeah, but I, I think, think Kirk Cousins too. is playing his best football. Like the last two seasons with him, statistically, I think it's been his best football. But uh, what age is Kirk Cousins? Thirty six. Yeah, I don't see him. This is I, like, I, and the Vikings are his what? Uh, thirty five. Seven team. The Vikings how, are like his sixth or seventh team. How much left is he? No, no, no. Second. No, second. Vikings are second team because he left. Oh yeah, Washington. he was with he was with Washington when they were the. Um, he's only played how, for the Redskins and well, I'm sorry, Commanders. Yeah. Well, at the time, they were the Redskins. They were the it's Redskins. Not, it's not incorrect to use <laughs> uh, this thing. For so, oh, never mind. so here's my question, though: Is like, how much, how much time does he have left on his deal? Maybe. Well, he's a free agent. Uh, right? He's a free agent after this year. Yep. So I could see him going. Uh, I, I, I don't. He's a free agent after this year. Yeah, he'll probably mm-hmm. want more than just a year. They might just give him a contract extension. But uh, in regards to thirty. 35 plus year old quarterbacks, they're not going to do that. Anyways, uh, second, my second surprise, right, to answer your question is the fact that the fucking Dolphins are three and oh. You're shocked by that? No, bro. Uh, actually, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I will say this is because the, oh. the conversation prior to the start of the season where like everybody kept saying, like, oh damn, we hope to God that uh Tua don't get CTE, my nigga, for because that was just the yep. talk of what you heard. So mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. I I'm not checking for um uh dolphins like games or anything like that. But the thing this is this is high key, the most surprising thing to me is the fact that like through three games from 2022 and 2023. Tua is on par with the exact same stats. Yep. But exact, I said that. I'm talking like identical stats. Hold on, hold on. Don't cut this no, shit no, off. No, so no, this nigga in 2022 was three and zero with 72. I think this was uh, set out of uh, 101 attempts, 72 completions, mm-hmm. eight TDs, two INTs. In 2023, he's three and zero with. 72 completions, 101 attempts, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. Bro, that's crazy. And <laughs> that, somehow, <laughs> somehow. That's crazy. Like, and he did that with su- supposedly no offensive line. Right, because Teron Ormstead, who they signed over from the Saints, has been banged mm-hmm. up. Yep. Uh, and a couple other guys just haven't like really panned out, and they've had some injuries as well. So it's like when you look at that team, you're looking at them like, mm, you know, Tua playing, but a, an already hurt uh, – no, I won't say hurt – a quarterback with an injury history, especially a concussion injury history, 
playing behind a subpar offensive line, and the first thing you're thinking is, it's going to get worse. Well, the question yeah. I want to ask y'all is, look, no dis- like I'm not going to argue if Mike McDaniel is a good coach or not. He's a good coach. But will you? would you say it's fair to say that the Dolphins team that he coaches now it was like the foundation for it was built by Brian Flores. Well, it's the exact same thing, bro. I, I don't think yes. he got rid rid of Brian yes. uh, Brian Flores, and it's I think the... Brian Flores has every right to go after like in legality because at the end of the day, he did exactly what you would have expected him to do, right? But then you also have to think about the fact that like if you look at any of the other white head coaches that had the same win-loss record for what he had during that year and they got rid of him. Make it make sense to me. Well, think, you know, we're always think back to a uh, golden state. Fisher. No, fucking Fisher. Uh, when he was coaching the Rams and when he coached the Titans and how, how he would go seven and nine all the fucking time. But I remember Jim Caldwell's first year as the coach, like, no, his second year as the coach after having already taken them to, like the playoffs and the AFC Championship game, this was this. Now, what they, what uh, Jim Ursay fired Jim Caldwell, despite the fact that he lost Peyton Manning to a neck surgery, like, and they had, and and the Colts were so invested in Peyton Manning, they hadn't drafted a quality backup because Peyton always played, except for like the last game before playoffs. And I'm like, you can't hold Jim Caldwell responsible. For your two and fourteen season, when y'all never drafted him the personnel. But and- again, th- this is ultimately why the NFL is sports entertainment. Like, and a lot of people don't seem to understand where it's like some of these teams are hitting. Like, especially when you look at, uh, like, a lot of folks get into fantasy league and all this other shit, and it's like it, I would much rather pay more attention to, like how spreads and things like that, because that'll pretty much tell you a lot of your overall like results in the NFL. Like it, 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 it's weird because like some people are like, Oh, X, Y, Z got the script. Right. When we're talking about the Spurs and how they got the number one draft pick. Well, Greg pop didn't decide to leave the Spurs because he got the script for the, uh, 2023 NBA season or some shit coming up. You know what I'm saying? 2020. Like it's possible. And when you look at like how these teams move, like, bro, who, who, who could have bet that. And, and I really honestly want y'all to tell me this, right? Who thought that potentially the Miami dolphins would have hung up 70 Against the Denver Broncos again. That's a for me. That's why they're my biggest surprise. Like one of the biggest surprises that I've had. So again, Cincinnati, just because they've been pretty much a staple in the AFC, and not just the AFC North, which the AFC to me is the tougher of the two divisions. I said that, uh, especially when you're looking at AFC North. I think it's the toughest division out of uh, the AFC. Um, and then, then you go and look at Miami, and like, who out of what they play out of the NFC? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the, the AFC. NFC to me, the South. AFC East is the toughest division in football. 
Oh, because when you look at the AFC East, you have Tua in Miami, you have Josh Allen okay. in Buffalo. Mac Jones is not as bad as people think he is in New England. And before he got hurt, the Jets had Aaron Rodgers. And that's what I was gonna say. Like when we talk preseason, yeah, the the way the AFC East looks right now, outside of the Jets because of Aaron right. getting hurt, is exactly what I thought. I honestly mm-hmm. had Dolphins, Bills, Jets at the top. They could they were gonna move back and forth between one and three. They were Patriots. gonna basically beat each other up. Yeah, Patriots were going to be four, but those three were going to move back and forth throughout the season, one, two, and three, because of what he just said. Rodgers, Tua, Josh Allen. Um, the AFC West is about the same as what I said, uh, with the Chiefs killing it. AFC North, honestly, is about the same. I mean, I think that's the strongest. The Steelers are a sleeper. So um, here's here's the reason why I say I like the AFC, North division. The AFC too. South is what surprises me because I did not have the Colts at the top of that with the young either. Anthony Richardson. I didn't. I honestly and then he thought didn't. That he didn't even play last game. In and the game still, before that, when they beat the Texans, he played. He missed most of the game. Yeah, and, and they're still two and one because they have who. Gardner Minshew and I like right. Minshew. Minshew mania, baby. Minshew mania, man. But I definitely had the Jaguars actually killing that division. So it's they I, still they've I been playing too. they've been playing great every game. Don't get me wrong, I've watched all three of their games this season. Is just something you know where they just haven't you know in that in the end just haven't uh st- you know pulled it out. So I was gonna put a money line bet on the Texans on that game and, and didn't get it in before the game kicked off. Because when I realized that the Texans have won like nine out of the last ten against the Jaguars, mm-hmm. and Trevor Lawrence himself is the only win in that last ten, but he's one in three himself against the Texans, I was yep. like, you know what? I didn't What's a few dollars on the Texans? Like, <laughs> right? I didn't you expect Stroud to. Uh, Just see I didn't happens. expect Stroud to um, to cook that game like that. Like, I I I was not expecting that. There's a okay. reason. It's a reason he went number one and not two. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When it was coming down to it, a lot of people were on the Bryce Young train. They mm-hmm. were, and people here in Houston were. I mean, there there are some of them that were pissed that they won that game against the Colts and ended up with the number two pick instead of number one pick. Mm-hmm. I and I tried to keep telling people. I'm like. They're going to end up with C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, one of the two. That's not a bad second option if you end up with C.J. Stroud. And that's how some people were looking at it here. And I kept trying to say, hey, you're not, quote, unquote, ending up with this guy. You're going to like this kid. I think that this team is going to like him. And, you know, a callback, like my comedian friends like to say, to what I was making a point earlier about accuracy in the quarterback. C.J. Stroud coming into this draft season, this past draft season, was looked at one of the most accurate quarterbacks, if not the most accurate quarterback coming out in this draft class. He may not overwhelm you with the, the arm strength. He, he has some athleticism, but he doesn't even show it off all the time. However, one thing that they all talked about was his ball placement and accuracy. And you've been seeing that through these first three games. And he really don't have a, a high bar to meet as in terms of like, the history of Texans quarterbacks because I think the last good Texans quarterback was Schaub. That was like the last good you, Texans you had you had nasty man that's in Cleveland right now. But I'm about I about to say uh, John, 
Deshaun numbers on amazing. But what I'm saying is the bar is not is not super high. Yo, here's I don't know about that. I would think wait. Let me clear this up about Deshaun and his numbers real quick. That last year, full year he played here, they were four and twelve. He led the league in passing. A lot of that was garbage yards. People don't want to admit it, just accept that shit. It was a lot of the times that team was down that year, and he had to try to throw them back into games. Partially his fault, not always his fault, but partially his fault. And they were just playing from behind, playing catch up. So it was a lot of garbage yards that he was getting. And plus, he almost didn't lead the league in passing that year. If Pat Mahomes would have played his last game of the season, Pat Mahomes was only like less than 100 or so yards behind him. He would easily eclipse. I believe so. So I, I know I know people like to look at numbers and stats, but it's like there's a lot of empty numbers and stats. Like a lot of people would talk shit about Chris Bosh and uh, Kevin Love back in the day because they would say, you know, anybody can put up 20 and 10 on a bad team referring to the the blade i mean the the wolves and the uh, raptors respectively that those guys played for but i mean there there's been a ton of surprises positively and negatively uh in the nfl this year the season is just getting started there's literally only i think i counted there's one two three four four teams without a win and there's only one, two, three teams undefeated. So when you look at the middle, like there's four teams without a win, three teams undefeated. 25 other teams either have one win or two. Yep. So it's still early. Let's not freak out and panic. But Dolphins, Bengals, um, who else did we say were, were surprises? Dolphins, Bengals, Colts. and Colts. Broncos and Bengals. Those are definitely yeah. Bengals, Dolphins, Colts, and Broncos. All the AFC teams are definitely surprising. I guess the is NFC. Is there anything out of the NFC that's surprising? Yeah, I'm not. NFC's. Kind I don't of, really see anything. They're following the same trajectory out. as last. Like year. Like I said, the only thing that surprised me is the NFC North. That's literally it. Everything else is pretty much spot on. Is what people thought. Uh, the NFC East is exactly where we thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, and Giants are still going to flip-flop, but that one-two is still going to be us and the Cowboys. Uh, NFC West is pretty much exactly what we thought. 49ers, Seahawks are going to battle for that one-two. Um, NFC North, like I said, again, that flip-flop of who's one and who's uh, four is surprising. I really think, I really think it's, it's, for this, it's but, one and uh, three because the Vikings, to me, should be way better than what they are, and I didn't think the Packers. Yeah, that's well, where I had to put right? The Vikings, the, the NFC one, right? Vi- no, Vikings, Vikings are 0 3. Yes, the Bears, bro. Sorry, yes. I haven't been paying attention because Kirk Cousins has been winning fantasy games for me. <laughs> See, and that's the thing, too, right? Because a lot of it, it's like fantasy football, it, fantasy football gets people so pulled away from other aspects of like, oh, shit, I, I don't know, he got me some points, no, like, legit. Right. I, you don't I, care like, that they win or lose, like shit. yeah. You be I caring mean, how points, many though. points you be like, like, like um, um, fucking uh, Baker throwing to Mike Evans on that beautiful pass, by the way, that he caught where, where the defender would like basically coasted under him. Uh, oh yeah, him him doing great. that is what helped me win in one of my other leagues because so, I was like, I got Mike Evans. I don't care if they so win or lose. Before we before we end football and switch, you know, to the next to one. NCAA. I, I want to end this with uh, 
first, yeah, we definitely gonna touch on that. I got some shit to say there. Uh, <laughs> was I wrong or right about Baker so far? You were, you uh, were, wait, what's you he doing? Not wrong. What's you he doing? Like, I have not paid attention you know, to Baker. At the beginning of the season, said, like, we were all like, the we were all kind of like poo pooing and laughing that the Buccaneers signed Baker Mayfield and Keys was like that's actually a good fit for that Baker. was a good move and we were like you're tripping and anyone that says that they agreed with Keys I will pull the receipts from the chat because you're probably lying but hey, uh <laughs> I did not I did not agree and I did not disagree I said Keys had I kind of defended him because I saw he had some points I think what I said was I hope he don't do as good as Keys thinks he's gonna do because, because I don't want him right. to defer my Saints but I did think that it was a smart move for that team to make as far as, you know, do you give it to Kyle Trask or do you try to bring in and find trade for somebody else? See, they did the right thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like if, the they right played, if they played anybody else week three outside of us, they'd be 3-0 and right now. But they ran into those green board, those green birds. You know? Oh, here uh, we go. I will, I, will say, I will say that, like, the one thing with Baker Mayfield, because it's like – I feel like he he was starting to get a bad rap, and I think that's probably the ripple effect of like Johnny Manziel, yep. right? Um, and yeah. I yeah. I don't yeah. think that Baker and Johnny Manziel are anywhere close in regards to that. I think that he probably just had yeah, uh, Baker's not he, pissing away his time. I don't think I don't think that his focus originally w- was where it needed to be, especially for him being the franchise quarterback going into Cleveland. Um, and again, he also had to battle with, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. I think this was like when did Roethlisberger uh, retire? So I think he like might have gone. Year ago. Yeah. So was, I was going to say yeah, I think Roethlisberger. He, yeah, so that again, the AFC North has always been a really difficult place for quarterbacks to stand uh-huh. out unless you're like, you know what I mean? Like you have to be exceptional. And it's like iron sharpens iron in that division. Uh but I also think that he it's kind of a victim of circumstance, so to speak. So I, I wanted to see him do well. I just didn't want to see him do well in Cleveland, right? Yeah, that's the NC. The way you felt about him in Cleveland is the way I feel about him in Tampa. <laughs> exact same way. But that's me with Mahomes. As long as he's not playing the Broncos, I love seeing him. I'm cook. good. Exactly. Everybody has lie. that nemesis in their division. I need Mahomes to get about. the fuck out the way, bro. I'm not going to lie. Joey, I like Joey him, Ice. I like Joe Dak. Burke. I like Dak, and I just hate Dak with that damn star. I yeah, also, see, I also really like Justin Fields. I like <laughs> Justin Fields, too, because, like, I just – like, I mean, I'm a Georgia fan, so, like, I just – I was uh, – he was one of my, like – favorites when he was at georgia and i even liked seeing him at ohio state do his thing so i just like there there are certain quarterbacks that i'm like as long as you're not playing the broncos i want to see you do well i felt the same about tua so sunday was a very tough day i was like all right right, (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna gonna move on from that speaking of a tough day dre had a whole tough weekend good lord well, we knew Oregon was going to shellac Colorado. There, like even, yes. even if Travis Hunter was yes. healthy, so that's not. Th- there was nothing surprising, you know. You know that. You know that. Uh, I forgot who the coach was. Like, he was with the Cardinals, and they lose the game, and he's like, "They are who we thought they were." Denny Green. Yes, Denny Green. That's, 
That was against exactly the Bears on the Monday Night what, Football we game. We thought they were. That's well, that's exactly what I was. What how I felt after watching the game. I'm like, this is what well, my thing is, folks. First off, folks, sports fans are fucking weird because there are span. There are. Can I say fuck on this podcast? <laughs> uh, well, you just said it. Yeah, well, I just so. wanted to make sure it wasn't, it wasn't a family. I had to make. I've been sure. cursing the whole time. Dude. Okay, okay. Anyway, so first off, sports fans are fucking weird because, like, did you really expect like like Dion to go like undefeated in his like first year at Colorado? It's a it's a like this is like people had that same energy when when LeBron Wade and Bosch got together in Miami. They thought. The, they thought the Heat was going to go 82 and 0. Like, I'm gonna lie. I did. <laughs> I, mean, I did. I ain't going to hold you. Hey, I did. Time, you know, I was, like, it's, I, it's generic. The only thing I was hoping for that year, I'm not going to lie, when the Heat got together, was uh, my cousin was in training camp with him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, just Dame. I just hope Dame just get a roster spot. So out of it. But, uh, he ended up going to play in Australia. But I know what you mean because I think when people saw Dion move to Colorado, he saw he was bringing in, you know, all these players in the transfer portal. And people saw how they sold out their spring game. They saw the hype and everything else. I think people got caught up in the emotion of it all. The first two and, games. Yeah. And then the first two games. Really, the first game just set the tone for, for everything TCU. else. TCU. Well, but it's also because like, it's you were a 20 point though, underdog too. to the team that was just in the national, the national championship. championship. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not only also did they, you great won, <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you another won. thing, another thing to keep in mind that like folks forgot to keep in mind is just that, like, yes, he did bring in a lot of talent and stuff, but also it's gonna like they also are in a in a conference with some prolific ass teams like Oregon. They may not like be in like playoff weekend, but they've always been nice in terms of like football terms. Like they're like they've I don't think they've missed a bowl game in who knows how long. Uh yeah. USC has been cooking the last few years. Like and then even Washington has been quietly building a armada of a program. Like they're not mm-hmm. they, they were never they those three schools were always gonna be tough ones for them, and I know USC is going to be a, a slaughter for them too, and that's that's okay. They were never supposed to go undefeated. No. The, and Dion himself has said, "Hey, we are about eight to ten pieces away from being scary. So th- those of y'all that are praying on my downfall, enjoy it now because I promise things get different from here on out." But I think well, the I think the issue came in is that nobody's praying on the downfall, like. It's being a real <laughs> I mean no 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 there are people that, that are, but say. at the same time like even Saturday I'm like I'm tweeting back uh LaShawn McCoy and a couple other people and I'm just like bro like y'all are taking people having an opinion and turning it into hate because as I'm looking at it right now after what four weeks right USC Oregon Utah Washington Washington State all four and oh all undefeated in conference play so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona's three and one. Colorado's now three and one. Oregon State's three and one, and so is UCLA. And I'm looking at that, and I, I'm I'm looking at what Dion has, and I'm like, honestly, even with the loss to Oregon, I still got them. I got possibly, them winning seven games at most. You know, 
USC is going to be tough this week. And I said that. I said Oregon, USC are the, are the ones that either they're going to lose both or mm-hmm. they're going to go one and one. I think Oregon was a winnable game with Travis. I think without Travis, it put them behind behind the pitch. The Utah game is going to be super tough also. And Washington, I think they can win Washington State and Arizona. Oregon State, UCLA, Cal, Arizona State, and Stanford should be, you know, pretty pretty good walks. Um, tough games, but they should still win them. Everything above them is going to be tough, in my opinion. Arizona's not a slouch this year. Washington State and Washington are great. And Utah has some dogs. They always do. Yeah. They do. Like and Utah has see, on that line. You thought that Oregon line was big? When Utah I, when, has a huge line, pause. And that that's the that's the problem with Colorado right now is in the trenches on both sides it's of the ball. ball. And even though like I've grown to love and appreciate, you know, the the the, the game of football as it is, but the 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 moderations that have taken place to where there's more of an emphasis on the pass and spreading the ball around so on and so forth. I still believe that you win and dominate when you form your team in the trenches. Mm -hmm. Because when you can control the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball, that goes a hell of a long way to to dictating everything else from the trenches on back. Okay, let me wait real quick. Oh, go ahead. I was was going to say um, something in relation to Colorado, right? (laughs) Um, And then also I had another – I think it was something that Dre tweeted – or it was a it was a quote tweet that you put up, but um, before I get to that, I think is it Warren Sapp or I saw something. On He's supposed to be joining next season. Yes. Okay, so now you've got a defensive line coach that also is a Hall of Fame mm-hmm. uh, NFL player. Again, exactly. ultimately, like when it comes to stuff like that, and you've got guys that can actually coach positions, right? And and the impact like where. Wu Tang is showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron is showing up. Like all of these celebrities are showing up. Mm-hmm. Dion has what a lot of Division One coaches, and this is why leading into the conversation where it is hate, right? Where it is hate is um, the fact is is that how Dion has been as a player has is moved over to how he was as uh, how he has been as a coach and not only that it's like you're not gonna get the model what most people consider to be the the atypical model football player where you yes sir no sir you fall like yo bro that's not where everybody's from let's let's keep it you know what it it just as a side note Dion, if you yeah if you if you're looking for a defensive backs coach or something like that, I'll let you know my boy. He 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 looking for a job, and I, I don't think U of H is gonna keep keep doing what they're doing. So Stanford route, he he still holds the record for the NFL Combine running a four two seven. Dion, he's a big fast DB like you were. So look him up. Yeah, I just well, like I just had to shout out my well, homie real quick because like he twirling away. Uh, over there, I think at UH, and, and he was coaching high school and stuff. And I'm just like, prime. If you're looking for a defensive backs coach, like, there's your guy. If, if there's one thing people hate in the in the world of sports, it is confident black athletes who are not yeah. afraid to 
show their personality. And, like, Dion backed it up on the field. He backed it up as a coach. He's backed it up as a player. Richard Sherman backed it up on the field. And, and like, people hated him for it. And uh, I'm like, no, talk your shit. You're out here holding it down. Talk your shit. Bro, if you look at it, let's go. You've got Dion as a player. You've got Muhammad Ali as a boxer. Right? So, like, where, where you can pinpoint those braggadocious people is that you need to stay in your place type you deal. got like, Kobe? I don't oh, hold on no not not nah. like that and oh, I love Kobe. not not like that like, uh, no 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 yeah. I'm hey. talking like basketball I would say Iverson more Bruh. oh yeah, yeah one of the coldest trash talkers in basketball was a white dude Right. Larry Bird well, came into the but, locker room. But what I'm saying is contest like, with his shooting jacket on to ask everybody who wants to come in second. Then went out and won the competition wearing the shooting jacket. But right. then he never took off his shooting jacket. On. But but look at that from a historical context. Shit. Look at that as from Big a historical shit. context, right? Like the white dude is talking shit to all the black guys. And <laughs> like But, but you gotta them. remember this is at the time where he was probably what one of five the most dominant, popular players. No, no, not even popular at that point. Dominant. Dominant. Five dominant okay. white players yeah, in the yeah. NBA. Yeah, Bro, he was, was one of the five was most becoming... dominant players in the league. Period. Yeah, yeah. So like, Larry yeah. run back to back MVPs, and then I zoom think out. Second, two more. Zoom, zoom out. Zoom out, y'all. Zoom I, out. I hear what, what you. Saying, I hear what you say. What I'm saying here is that like it's okay for the white player to yeah. <laughs> da, da, Ah, but it makes people uncomfortable when Cam Newton is doing the Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, it makes people uh, like feel some type of way when uh, Dion showboats or To showboats, or yeah. even even fucking uh, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, he really don't be like running his nah. mouth like that. But but niggas hate him, nah, because he's good. He yeah, just, but what I'm, yeah, but what like, I'm saying so like, is didn't you, have that energy for uh you for gotta look at you gotta look at how people are being explained, mm-hmm. right? Historically, well, they are a troublemaker, they're a detriment to the locker room. Mm-hmm. Overarchingly, the conversation is not the same if you have that in a different player from a different background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because look at Johnny Manziel. How many fuck ups did he get before he got? Johnny Manziel, hold on. If Wait, we really want to talk about, that is the exception ISO, to the rule. This yeah, is the yeah, ISO. Man. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yes, bro. he is. No, it's not. Johnny Johnny Manziel <laughs> did you watch is not the exception. Hold on. Johnny Manziel bragged about the fact, and the people sit here and say that his parents had money. How the fuck do you think this nigga got money? It wasn't Nobody because his money. parents were like rich, rich, rich. Okay, cool. You don't think this nigga was taking money under the table? Autograph signings. And let me tell you what it was. I didn't have to watch it. Hold on, let me tell you this part first. Right up the street. Him and his friend lied about his parents (laughs) being rich. He says it in the documentary. His parents weren't rich. They were regular, run-of-the-mill, middle class. And he, because of his, his fame and everything that was going on, they had to make and to cover up the money part of it. They had to make up the story about his friends, his parents being rich and coming from old money, old oil money. But mm-hmm. it was never true. I'm and gonna his, put it to you. You gotta like watch this. the documentary. It's amazing. I, it's great. It's a lot of stuff. In you the feel story bad for him, that but then feels, you don't at the same time. 
it's a lot of stuff in his story that in that documentary, from what I've heard, that fills in certain things. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, if he came from money, then why? It's like certain characteristics about him. I'm just like, well, if he went here and he came from money, <laughs> came well, from it's like certain, some like things it. just wasn't adding up to me. Oh, no, he you know acted like it. Oh, no, he really acted like and a rich white kid. Like, it, it was, it, I mean, I've, I've seen these kind of kids up close and personal. Yeah. And I know how they act. And I've seen the adults that they turn into and whatnot. And it was like that light bulb never went off for Johnny in his in his young adult days. And for those type of kids, either that light bulb goes off for them or they fall way off the deep end. Yep. But if we talking about exceptions and that light bulb never went off. So that's why I'm like, he's there's something missing about and then to hear that he didn't come from all this money, that he made it up and all. I was like, okay, now that sounds more like it. But because fucking exceptions to the rule, like you were talking about, Jermaine. Uh the first one that comes to mind, Tim Tebow. He got so much hate. And backlash. Also, let's talk about it. Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy got used to just get shitted on for <laughs> for for so much shit. Colt McCoy and people got shitted on a lot. For I me. think I and think I was, the thing with Colt McCoy's dad being on the sideline or whatever at that game, the national championship game in Alabama. I think that had a lot because it was a perception thing. But getting back to the point, like just all this this hate and this vitriol. For Dion and doing what he's doing and whatnot. And then I look at like what Nick Saban did at Alabama. Now, Nick Saban didn't come in with all the flash style and, and, and everything else that Dion did, but Nick Saban changed the landscape of college football. Did Nick Saban is largely responsible for like, okay, we had this one system. Now let's go to this other system of college football to include more teams instead of always having this one team there or the team that beats this one team always gets there. So they literally changed the rules and the way they award the national championship, partially not all, but partially because of what Nick Saban was doing at Alabama. When you look at Dion and what he's doing now, what he did was he took advantage of the transfer portal. They're taking advantage of the NIL deals and whatnot. And they're playing within the rules of college football. They're just doing it with a lot more flash and a lot more style, bringing the culture into it. And to me, that's the part that I think people don't like. It's the fact that not only is he changing the game, but he's doing it unapologetically being himself. And that's what I love. There's nothing I love more than seeing – insecure hating ass people be rubbed the wrong way by seeing someone be themselves unapologetically confidently and backing their shit up like like it's it's and also my thing is if you like yeah you may not be a pomp and circumstance person but if you listen to any of uh Deion sanders like press conferences or anytime he speaks and stuff mm-hmm. like i sit there and i'm like you know, like I don't see how you can take anything this man says and you hate it. Like 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 besides like some like preconceived bullshit narrative because it's like I mean also anyone that's played sports 
like like and like actually been like adept or good like that like you cannot sit here and tell me that that is not the kind of coach or like a similar energy from a coach that you'd want like your child to be exposed to i had a i had a college teammate and this was a buddy of mine that i played uh uh division three soccer with um but we we always share uh soccer reels and stuff like that on like instagram or anything related to the sport but he had sent me something to where he was like man like i don't know what it was i think it was something just highlighting like a lot of things that Dion says about his players or to his players off the field where he i think it was like uh travis hunter was talking about uh how he was going to play no matter what i'm not taking no for an answer and Dion's like your future is much more important than just a game sit down and heal up and you know and then my buddy um uh wrote he was like dude i would have run through brick walls to play for a guy like this he was like who would have who would have known um you know where i would have been uh as a player um versus like you know wanting to play fighting through injuries and now i have like back issues hip issues and uh i i feel them because i totally understand and it's like you know at, at a certain point in your mind, it's like you think about the the recycle rate or the turnover rate that you have as a collegiate athlete. Not and this isn't even thinking about you know someone that has the potential to play at the next level. So when you're thinking about that, you're you're willing to sacrifice like long term, you know, like your health overall mm-hmm. because you know that you have a limited window as the players. So you want to try and maximize as many moments as possible. I mean, shit, dude, I finally, I, I, I'd say, you know, knock on wood that I've had like a serious injury where I tore my Achilles, but, and, and I was playing, but I was f- damn near 40, right? It was like a couple months away from my 40th birthday when that happened. So I've gotten a lot of miles that I can say compared to a lot of my, you know, high school teammates, college teammates, guys I played with semi-professionally to where it's like, you know, those dudes are broken down. And I'm like, you know, thank God I made it here. But it was, you know, just being able to dedicate a lot. And that, uh, me personally, I had that with my parents. My my dad and my mom both were like trying to say, hey, yeah, we understand and we know that you love this game and we know that you have the ability to play at, at a higher level. And it might not be the the way that is set right now, but th- we also are looking at like your overall health and we want you to remain healthy, you know, when you do have kids. And this was before, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. ultimately it's like there's people that see this and people from different walks of life and different sporting backgrounds but to be able to see that and damn i wish i could pull this clip up but uh it was um an old clip i think it's this was um it was a clip from like uh abc nightly news i want to say it was like uh post around like the reagan era something like that so 60s 70s give or take and uh and nfl executives he was like you know, man, we'd really be in trouble if 
talking about like black coaches going into coaching. He's like, we don't really have anything else. He was like, hell, if you look, most of the league is made up of black players. He's like, all we got left is coaching. He's like, I don't say that to be rude, but you know, you have a coach that steps into that or a a black that goes into there. And then it's like, what else do we really got? And Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's where you see the the weird social disconnect of everybody loves football. It's one of America's like sports. It's overtaken baseball. You know what I'm saying? And even then, it's like you have a, a large part of the American demographic that you know loves this sport, and some of the greatest players that have ever played were some of their sporting heroes that looked like them. But now that's overarchingly changed. And it's like, well, shit, man, if you just pay attention to history, you motherfuckers were breeding black people for years. What do you expect? Some of their offspring and lineages are going to be fucking superhuman. And, you know, the, the thing that I, like I said, I love the most is, He's he's changing the game, being unapologetically, unapologetically, unapologetically himself. Unapologetic. But he's doing he's, it. He's I, being himself mm-hmm. within the confines of all the rules and in 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 all the the speculation, all it. the scrutiny, everything else that's coming with it. You know, and and the reason why I drew that comparison between Dion and Nick Saban is because Nick Saban changed the landscape of of college football himself. And nobody said anything about it. I mean, they literally changed rules and things like that because of the things Nick Saban was doing at Alabama. I'm so glad that you brought up Nick Nick Saban, right? So I knew that there was going to be a drastic shift – Right. There was going Mm -hmm. to be a drastic shift in how a multitude of things can happen. So and and this is to all the folks that are naysayers. And what really kind of kills me is like like people from our own culture that were like dragging Dion because he was, you know, making a jump. Okay, well, let's be honest. I don't think as many people had much to say about Chip Kelly leaving the University of Cincinnati before a bowl game hmm. against, if I'm not mistaken, Florida. Hmm. Like the post Saban or or just, I think this was still, uh, or maybe post Saban era Florida, right? So, nah, Saban, leaves, Saban was at Alabama. You oh, mean Urban Meyer? Or Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer. Excuse me, excuse me. So, uh. Post or or just I think this was right before Urban Meyer left or just after he left. So you still got his recruits playing against Cincinnati in a bowl game. But you're going to leave because you're going to go take over the head coaching position at Notre Dame because it's always been a dream. Whereas like Dion leaves an HBCU after bringing them out of the mud, taking them to a championship game in his first year, bringing in recruits that then brings money that. All of these folks that are in the administration piss away. He doesn't even take any money. He doesn't need the money from the school. It's to the benefit of the school. Nobody would even know shit about Jackson State. Oh, Keys, you're on mute. 
You dig what I'm saying? Yeah, like, he was flipped. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly he was from flipped. New Hampshire to Oregon. Well, I, I will say going the back to one point, player in the country. That's what I'm saying. Jackson State. So, so yeah. to end this, to end this, ultimately, the reason what helped me understand is when Dion was at Jackson State, Nick Saban had stuff to say about what Dion was doing. Wait a minute, my nigga, ain't you <laughs> pulling like power five recruits and all this other shit? And you literally have, in essence, like you've got a refresh rate like shark's teeth. Because here's the thing, and I know this from oh wait fact. Hold, to up, fact hold up, Jermaine. Fact. I did want I did want to get this off because uh Ahun brought up an earlier point, but uh we kind of segued into what Dion was doing. It was uh when you were talking about your friend talking about how the coaching world and uh doesn't have too many opportunities for uh black coaches, you know, as one of few, because like uh, you know, obviously I coach lacrosse. And even when I was coaching wrestling, like there's not a lot of us in it in, in here. And like, no matter how, like it's it's kind of funny that this happens, but also like being of the culture, y'all understand why this happens. But um, when like no matter how tight um like tightly contested a game a game was or what the score differential was, the energy that I get from like the opposing black coaches like at the end of the game is done. We all have always said this to each other. It's it's so funny how this happens. But, like, at the end when we're shaking hands or whatever, we dive each other up and we're like, hey, it's good to see more of us out here. Like, yes. that is the one phrase that has always been – like, we've always said to each other. And, and it's true because, like, you know, sometimes, like, I'm not going to lie, being the only black coach on staff, I definitely feel like man on the island because it's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I've been coaching this shit for years. But – also, there sometimes it feels like there's not anyone that like I can really like relate to, so to yeah. speak. Especially and there's there's in a been a lot of white sport. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of people who have been saying, "Hey, there are these other black coaches out there in college football that we can go out there and support, and whatnot, and like show them some love and appreciation and whatnot." And somebody said. Uh, it's Penn State's coach, uh, forget his name, uh, the coach at Maryland, and, and uh, I can't remember the it, It's three other coaches. Uh, but uh, here's the thing, Syracuse. James Franklin. James Franklin Syracuse. at, at uh, yeah, Syracuse. It was, uh-huh. it was Penn They're State, Maryland, and Syracuse. And they were saying, well, none of these schools brought out so-and-so. Pause for the cause because Penn State had Sexy Red at their whiteout game just this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, she was. So you can't say that these other black coaches in NCAA aren't doing some of the same things and having some of the same kind of effects and whatnot. I mean, it's not a lot. It's not to the magnitude of what Dion is doing, but it's something. That's still random. It's something. It's it's random. Sexy Red showing up at Penn State's whiteout game is just about as random as that picture she took with Woody Johnson, the, the owner of the Jets, a couple weeks ago. Yep. yep, which was also random. Two but of the most it. random picks I did not have on my 2023 you, bingo you card. See, you see the way that this is now going to change, like, recruiting? Imagine if, because he's technically, I mean, he's, he's not at, like, a really big school. Like, I mean, being, if it, you, I mean to, for him Colorado to go from, has good history. 
They have Colorado does have a good history, but what I'm saying, they're they're not uh, like a prestigious um, or historically prestigious like program. Whereas like you have an Ohio State or you have like I would even say like Michigan. Michigan has like, yeah. Older, Colorado you know isn't one of those top tier blue bloods. They're like right. A, they're like Mid. a. A little, little, little lower blue blood. Like, like, like they, they've been like, like they family been having money for two generations, whereas everybody else been having money for like four or five. Right, and and that's the thing too is, and and I think the way that it's going to make a bigger change is that he is going to leave a bigger legacy and impact on Colorado. Um, He could be like. Colorado's version of what Woody Hayes was at Ohio State. And yep. that's the Got crazy it. thing is like like I don't I mean I doubt this will happen but if even if CU doesn't win a single game the rest of this season they have already overachieved yep. in comparison Bingo. to years prior. They can lose every single game the rest of this season which I don't expect to happen but they could and they still have already overachieved. Right. Like and 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 at the end of the day, the thing that like again you like like uh like um Jermaine and Ahan and, and Keys, you you all said a lot of people got caught up in the emotion of the moment, especially with the first two games and stuff. At the end of the day, building a sustainable lasting uh machine like like the like schools in the SEC have, building that takes time. It, it does mm-hmm. not happen overnight. Even though Nick Saban has done great work with Alabama, that shit still did not just happen by osmosis. But like, it took him about three, two, three years in before he really got going. And you also have like, to see the ripple I mean, effect the, and like, impact. Like the Heat yes. won their champion, their first championship in what their their second or third year together. Second right? year, yeah. But but then also look at what that impact had on like the move of the heat or like Nick Saban. So even to keep it at football, look at this, the ripple effect of Nick Saban leaving the dolphins, right. After Mm -hmm. having a big, a big program at LSU decides he wants to make the jump to the NFL. It's not in his best interest because he doesn't have the same sway and he gave uh, that famous speech, I'm the coach of the Miami Dolphins until I'm no longer the coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I think like a week and a half later, he was seen getting on a private plane wearing a leaving. maroon jacket. Right. So so that's mm-hmm. the thing, too, is like, yeah, he can't talk to he he can't talk to um, he can't talk to NFL players to where it's like he has the same allure and like uh I guess like stardust on him that he can walk into a high school kid's house, right? Living room. And then, Hey, I want you to come play at the university of Alabama. Well, shit, man, the whole reason in my mind is I'm going to go to Alabama because this program is pretty much pumping out uh, NFL NFL players. But what can Nick Saban tell you about getting to the NFL as a player? You have to abide by, no, hold on. You have to abide. Like, he can't tell you how to be an all pro. He can't tell you how to be a Hall of Famer. He can coach you into a certain point, but like, it's he's coaching from theory. And this is where, like, the conversation, if we were to talk about from the standpoint of, uh, we'll, we'll equate this to soccer, right? You look at a player like, uh, 
Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola is considered the greatest, arguably the greatest uh, manager of all time in regards to what he's done at uh, mm -hmm. Barcelona, um, how he changed the the shape and pretty much the trajectory of Barcelona, then goes to Bayern Munich, then goes to Man City. Now Man City is a world power. A power fucking house. Right? But again... It all comes from the fact that he was led by Johan Cruyff, who at that point in time was like, in the 70s, Johan Cruyff was like the best, like he was the greatest player on God. the planet. He was the greatest player on the planet. Then turns around and becomes a manager at Ajax. Like he was, he was the best player at Ajax, won three, I think it was like three European Cups, which is equivalent to the Champions League at Ajax, then goes to Barcelona, takes Barcelona from a trash program to winning the league, winning the league. Like Barcelona and Real Madrid were nowhere close when Johan Cruyff joined. Then Johan Cruyff goes back to Ajax, becomes a manager there, wins a European Cup there, then goes to Barcelona and has the original dream team. Well, excuse me. It was, I think it was at the same time when the dream team, Michael Jordan, uh, was in uh, they won the Olympics in Barcelona. They also secondarily took the dream team from the footballing standards. They had Ronald Koeman, they had uh, Romario, they had all these dudes. Like Johan Cruyff's coaching tree is equivalent to what you would see with like, um, uh, not uh, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. I will. If you give me one quick second, I'll uh, add to that and rival it that Nick Saban's coaching tree since he's been at Alabama has been immaculate. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna say I don't think so because maybe not okay, a some, some of his some of his assistants haven't really gone on to do great things. But I think the bottom line here, what everybody is saying, we're all saying the same thing, that we just think what Dion is doing is going to leave a larger legacy, not only for Colorado, the school, but for college football as a whole, and especially for, you know, guys like us, young black men, you know, let's just be honest, in this country who feel like they can go to these places and they can make a change and they can do things and they can be unapologetically themselves yep. and make those changes and make positive changes being unapologetically themselves in these spaces. And, and I think it's a beautiful thing to see because you need more people to feel like they can go places and do things that others can't really go and do and show people, hey, you can blaze a trail, you can be something, you can be somebody. You know, and you don't have to conform to what society says you have to do. And right? the fact that Colorado's moving to the Big Ten next year. Exactly. So that's, it's going to give that's them what a, I'm saying. They're going to keep the profile up. That's while what I'm they're saying. They're raising the level of play and raising the expectations and building a program and building a legacy there. The only thing that's going to hurt them is now they recruiting wise, they're already battling with these teams, but now they're really battling with the. Ohio states with the Penn states with the Michigans, the Michigan states. It's it's really going to be for Dion from the recruiting standpoint and not saying he can't do it, but it really is like, what am I doing for you? What am I bringing to the table? And, and, and here's for the thing you, that when those you, historic programs can't. And when won't. you look at, when you look at the, one of the biggest things that I've noticed in, in college football recruiting, a couple of things that, that are huge. 
Number one is facilities. Mm. Guys want to be able to come to those facilities and see what you have and know I'm going to be spending, if I have 24 hours in a day, I'm probably going to be spending 16 of them at this place. Am I going to like this? Mm-hmm. Number two, they want to know with the ones with aspirations of playing on the next level, can you help me play on the next level? You uh, your your position coaches are going to be the guys you're going to spend the most time with. So that guy, whoever that is directly recruiting you, your position coach, you want to know who this coach is, what he's about, so on and so forth. But one of the other things is, you know, you got to look at the NIL deals and whatnot. You got to look at the exposure, uh, television and, and TV rights, streaming rights, all of this stuff. There's so much that goes into it. Especially However, because with with well with Dion at CU, I think the I think the USC game is getting the prime time slot again, which is going to be the fifth prime time slot game that they've been able like like the fourth prime time. They're, slot but they're going to command all of that kind of attention because of who he is and what he can do for them. And so now what you're going to see is, is that players are going to be like, you know what? I, when they before, when they didn't mind being like the third or fourth running back at Alabama, because I know I'm going to win a national championship and I know I'm probably going to get drafted. I wouldn't mind going over and being this, you know, maybe the first or second running back at Colorado, because not only am I going to look good winning, but I'm also going to enjoy the ride getting there as well. Yo, so think about- there's a lot to look at when we look at, you know, how he's changing the landscape of, of college football and what's going on. Um, uh, I was going to say uh, to close this out, if if we wanted to, is that he just took up, I think he just uh, submitted five trademarks, right? So NIL in and of itself, the NIL gives you a wild, a wild, uh, basically it gives you way more leverage as a player versus like the reason why most dudes are trying to make it to the NFL is because guys that Dion can recruit that normally the bigger schools were recruiting is that the carrot at the end of the stick or the rope was that you can get to a place that you can alleviate whatever type of generational curses you might have in your family if you make it to this ascended mountaintop, right? Because mm-hmm. there's only a, a select few of people that can make it to the league. 1% of 1%. Right. Yeah, and it gets smaller and smaller. And then as the you dude, go up. now he's bringing in attention for the ability of potential sponsors. Hey, I can go to Colorado, bro. I don't even got to worry about going to uh, – you know what I'm saying? I can go to Colorado right now. Go Saw play like under six commercials with Dion in it during that. that the lacking. That's, that's that what I'm saying. During the game. So <laughs> you got you got the potential to go play for a dude that is a Hall of Famer in a sport that you want to achieve at the highest level. This dude was a two-sport athlete. Like, I'll go play for somebody that can do something that nobody else can teach or coach. That's what I was saying in regards to Saban. Saban does have it like to a point, but the ability to spark something completely different because the difference is with Saban, he wouldn't be Saban if not for his win-loss record. It's true. Mm-hmm. Dion don't give a don't give a rat. He don't give a kitty about that win-loss record. 
he gives a kitty about the well-being of creating good men. That is a bigger marketing tool for recruiting and parents are going to hear mm-hmm. that and you are going to make my son into a man right exactly. develop players man. develop players for the field create men for the world yeah bingo and that that's that's the perfect point to wrap that up on because that's one of the biggest things that I love about how he's changing the landscape of it is that he's doing it but he's also doing it with that one thing that really touches parents' hearts when it comes to sending your son off to play for somebody. When he's doing that and he's taking care of that off-the-field part for your kid, that sells everything else for a parent. Moving on to our next topic, uh, just real quick, an update on the PLL. And we just so happen to have one of the PLLs, uh, our, our lacrosse correspondent, members, our PLL correspondent, who who uh, got legit? in touch with the with legit? the commissioner of the league himself. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and, and what's crazy is, I had a homeboy earlier, like a couple of days ago. He tweeted something about. I said, "Hey, you like lacrosse?" He was like, "Yeah, a little bit." Bet. Listen to this podcast. Yo, here's your insider right here. We have a lot of fun. So the uh, championship uh, just took place on Sunday. It was um, the Archers uh, making their first championship appearance against the defending champions, the Water Dogs. Uh, Really hotly contested uh, game. uh, The Archers would win by one. Uh, The game, unfortunately, was not without its controversies. you know, people are human, but there was a little bit of a shot clock error throughout the games, but it was not in a way to where either team had one uh, more sway than the other. Uh, it was super cool, super happy to see the good guys win. Uh, I'm excited for this next uh, season of college because I just got an update that uh, Jamaica's best player, Stone hey. Evans, hey. is going to be playing at um, – Stony Brook College. Where? Oh wow! He's gonna be playing at Stony Brook, it, which is it is a smaller school. But the reason why it's good is because it's gonna give him exposure. And with um, D three studs like Cross Pereira from the Chrome getting drafted, uh, the the notion that being the notion that you have to go to a D one hey, school right to have success is is done and is done and over with. You no longer in the world, at least in the world of lacrosse, hey. you no longer have to go to a D one school y'all, to have success. Y'all want to know why my beard looks like kind of <laughs> freshly lined up oh, and everything? The barber's coming. Uh oh, bar- oh hell yeah. My What's personal hey, barber is here. What's poppin'? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, I really said copy paste. <laughs> <laughs> That's for everybody who was talking about how much my daughter looked like me because yesterday was National Daughters Day, and so I posted a picture of my daughter, and a couple people were like, "Oh my gosh, your daughter really looks like you." I said, "You don't." It was my homeboy Eric uh, from uh, Backstage Brawl podcast. Shout out to them fellas. Uh, he was like, "Man, your daughter really looks like you." I said, "You must have forgot what my son." Was copy (laughs) but yes that was just a brief update um uh the pll sixes tournament should be starting up 
2024. I'm waiting for them to announce a location date before uh, I get my tickets. Uh, hopefully, it's in Virginia again, so then I can stay with my mother instead of having to. We'll be in. We'll be in touch with the PLL as soon as definitely, it's definitely. So the 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 that's like the the sixes. That's like the. Um, like the big, it's uh, like how when football like world seven on seven. Of, well, it's so like how it, when football does their seven on seven. Except oh, okay, it's six okay, versus okay, six, and it's just short sticks. There's no long poles or anything. Oh, it's literally okay. just shorties. And uh, last year, oh, Romar no. Dennis, Romar Dennis, uh, cooked. And I, I really loved getting to see Romar Dennis and Miles Jones shout out, uh, show out because again, I love when black athletes are able to have their dominance and prolificness in a sport on display because I believe it is inspiration and representation matters for everyone, which is also why Nat St. Laurent, who coaches for the Redwoods, is one of my favorite coaches. Uh, as a black coach myself, it is inspirational to see uh, a coach that, even though he's a little bit more reserved, uh, he is still like inspirational with his conduct and his uh, words. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's cool to see, like, when 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 you look at other sports that are, you know, like, dominated by, you know, athletes not here in the United States. Mbappe. You look at soccer, you look at tennis, you look at, you know, all these other sports. Lacrosse is one of them. And to see that there are so many lacrosse players here in the United States that are so good that this league is is thriving and it's looking at expanding and, and, and you know they're on ESPN plus you know it, it's not even that you have to try to find and ABC for the first time in, exactly. in two years so you 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 look at a sport like this and it's coming up it, it's it's enjoying a, a thriving thing and, and and one of the one of the things that attracted me to lacrosse was like it's a combination of almost football basketball and soccer mm. kind of like meeting in the at this this strange mesh point you know and and there's so many rules and, and aspects of the game and strategy that mimic things like basketball that kind of remind you of soccer that that you know the helmets and everything and the contact remind you of football so there's a lot there that i think that this sport is going to have a boom in this country in the next five to 10 years. And like I said, we have somebody who's here at the forefront of it. That's on the cutting edge of it. Like I guarantee you, if you Google lacrosse podcast, if this man's podcast is going to pop up and in the next five to 10 years, when you Google lacrosse podcast, his podcast is still going to pop up because it's going to blow up. And we're just trying to get at the forefront of some of the things that are going to be on and popping as far as content creating is concerned. Here's the funny thing. Number one, I, I've never ever, and this is part of the reason, and I'm more so speaking as like a, a network executive, right, versus, um, you know, just a fan of sports or um, anything like that. Number one, I, I've not really come across as many – uh, or, or seen as many um, people in the lacrosse space with a lacrosse podcast of a magnitude that really covers um, at, at least across like so Dre tries to not only focus on like 
you know, some podcasts can be specific to like, for instance, soccer, they can be specific to one specific league, right? Or they can uh, be specific to maybe a team, so uh, per se. And with Dre, Dre's covering not only like the professional aspect, but he's also covering like the international aspect. And then he's covering the college aspect. College, and yep. then also talking about high school as well. So um, I I looked at that. Also, as like, uh, just a brief update. I do have a few uh, former women's lacrosse players who will be helping me branch over to the women's uh, leagues in both college and professional. Yeah. Man. Come on, man. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, listen. We don't got we don't got air horns in here, but we can. Um, but no. So ultimately, like for me, as is looking at somebody trying to do my best to have like instead of just like what I see in front of me, and I think a lot of times with stuff like this, right? Like this this new space of media, where especially within sports, the news cycle is so. Uh, it, it the turnover rate is very quick, like the refresh rate, like you said, uh, at the beginning of the pod, um, is like the, the news cycle, it, it turns over in such a quick time frame. But the cool thing about this is that, like, Dre's pod not only stays in tune with like what is happening in the now, but it also simultaneously is one of those things that you can revisit because it is educational. Like I've become more in tune and understanding of what I'm looking at. So uh, I, I can see lacrosse and, and I do see the aspects in, in the familiarities with soccer, but I also see it a little bit more in the aspect of like watching hockey on grass. Right. So then it's like, oh, so then you have these aha moments. And it was like that for me when Dre started talking when we when we first had a conversation, even before any pod had been done. He was like, this is what I want to do. This is my vision for it. And like I said, uh, sight uh, and vision are totally different. Like he had a vision for this. So for him to be able to not only. Um, you know, pull a rabbit out of his hat, but keep doing it in a way. And then lo and behold, he turns around and he was on press row at, you know, the PLL games when they were in uh, Denver. And then it's like, that's only awesome. Person physically the only there. Person physically at post-game conference. Mm-hmm. And wait, we, we talking about that. And that's just the one podcast that he has on the network we haven't even started talking about the health and fitness podcast which we we are uh in regards to aim high we are getting more and more prominent guests uh shout out to this upcoming friday uh we will be i'll be sitting down with uh mikey uh mikey de la pava and he's got just like a new training concept which i uh am gonna really try my best to uh push out to not just people that are health and fitness enthusiasts, but uh, athletes of all variety, because it's a it's a concept that I think is going to be very uh, beneficial. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and if any of you guys are able to join, it, uh, it'll be taking place at 1230 p.m. on Friday, Eastern Standard Time. So it'll be 1030 for me uh, and whatever time 11, it is for the rest of you. 1130 my time. Yeah, like if y'all ended up baking it, that'd be great. Uh, but I'm real excited for that one. Yo, yeah. 
Hey. Dude, shout out to Dre, man. Like, you know, we he really we doing him, it. We call him the most egregious dude on the internet. And and of course, that's that's us just kind of like chopping it up with each other and, <laughs> and uh you know, giving each other banners, so to speak. But um, like again, I've said this on Sucio Boys, I'll say this here as well, and and I'll tell you guys too, is like the dedication and really commitment it takes to to do one podcast is one thing right um but it's something completely different when you're like okay i'm not only gonna do this podcast and like bust my ass to do this i'm also gonna start another one and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna try and i'm gonna make this a brand oh lo and behold this second one we're gonna go to the world strength games because i really believe in what i'm doing and you know like I'm sitting there and I'm uh, this was uh, that weekend. I I didn't. Unfortunately, uh, I couldn't join him because uh, my girlfriend was coming into town, um, you know, to celebrate my birthday, my 40th. And uh, there's times I'm just sitting there looking at my phone and I'm like (laughs) watching our group chat and the conversations that we're having. And I'm like grinning ear to ear. And and some people get in, some people don't. It's like, no, this is my new sport now. Yeah. Like this is how and this is like I love it when my teammates are winning. And you know, sometimes when when it comes down to it, it's like people we can all attest to this if you've ever played any sport uh in any part of your life. Some people think that they're the star player. You may be someone coming off the bench and what you do and how you motivate your teammates off the bench. You might not even get a chance to play, but mm-hmm. what you do helps you become a part of that, like, winning side. And, and a lot of times, you know, people only look at it from the fact that, like, it's a stat thing. Nah, bro. You know, Adam Vinatieri was a kicker. <laughs> and he helped him win three fucking Super Bowls, and is the most clutch kicker, quote unquote, of all time. Even though statistically, it's Justin Tuck. You know what I'm yeah, saying? So, but what I'm saying, what I mean there is like, there was a point in time where people didn't think that kickers were important. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, this dude, if not for him, Tom Brady isn't even talked about in the same breath. Right. It's, it's the same thing like when you look at basketball. If it wasn't for John Paxson, Craig Hodges in the first three runs, and, and if it wasn't for guys like, uh, 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 what's his name, Steve Kerr and Tony Kukoc in the second three, three-peat, you know, Michael Jordan it may not be talked about in those aspects. So you have to always look at there's sometimes there's going to be role players. Robert Ory comes to mind when it comes to the Spurs and the Lakers and the Rockets. Bob, he got more rings, bro. He was a part of three different dynasties. Three, Three. that's crazy. Houston, San Antonio, and them Lakers. And you know what? You know what's crazy? A lot of, um, a lot of times, a lot of goalies in in lacrosse. The person that they credit the most for them doing so well, besides you know their own work and dedication, is their backup. Like mm-hmm. Brett Dobson, he had nothing but praise for Nick Washuda when Nick Washuda stepped in when he like went down with like an injury and he's like Nick's a great teammate. One of one of his games, Brett Dobson played with a stick, like like Nick Washuda's backup stick, not his main stick, his backup stick that he's never played with, while 
Nick Washuda, the backup goalie, is on the sideline restringing his like Brett Dobson stick, like restringing it. And that's crazy. Anyone that's seen a goalie stick, it's one of the biggest. Like it's got the widest net, obviously, like on the field. Mm-hmm. And so he's sitting there for the whole first two halves. So like for nearly a whole like like forty five minutes, just restringing the stick from nothing. Like, just so Brett Dobson can use it. And he didn't even get it to Brett until halfway through the third quarter because he was stringing it up, burning the edges with a lighter. Like, if that's not a case for a good teammate and somebody that helps you develop, then I don't know what it is. (laughs) And see, that's, that's the kind of stuff that not only do we like to see, but those are the kind of teammates that we are here. And that's why we're here on this network right now, because everybody's dedicated to seeing everybody else succeed. And that's how come we know we're going to be successful because there is no, oh, I'm Michael Jordan. Or I'm this. Or I'm that. Or it's this person. Like we joked about it being Ahun and the Temptations or whatever, <laughs> or Tex Winter and Phil Jackson and all of that. But it's like when you become a part of a community, basically, and you all have the same kind of focus on the same common goals and you work towards those goals with each other, it, it's, you can't be stopped. Speaking of, just to turn it a little bit, we had some news in the WNBA today. And, and uh, I know people are going to be looking at us like, what WNBA for? Because it's popular. First, because no, I watch do not disrespect I, these women. Exactly. This league is exciting. And any anybody that has anything negative to say about the WNBA, I guarantee you a majority of these women that play in this league can we'll beat you in a game of ass. 21. Y'all talk, <laughs> y'all talk all you want. But listen, y'all. real quick, before I, I'm not going to rant, but real quick, listen. He about the rant. When I, when I talk, when I, when I, when I, when I explain this, I've explained this to people when it comes to women's sports. When it comes to women's sports there is they women understand the fundamentals and the technique and the finesse way better in their sport than most men like so for example Thanks. like i I've, i frequently have told our guy our guys lacrosse uh team if they had to go up against the girls team and they weren't allowed to have like physical contact and they had to rely on just fundamentals and stick skills they would get waxed because these girls do this daily I've seen them warm up, and they don't drop a freaking pass. Some days we go out on that field and we can't catch a cold. Uh, I mean, nope. same thing with with uh, w- women's soccer. If you watch a women's soccer game, which I did a lot because shout out to Riley, uh, me being the supportive brother that I am. But uh, uh, I watched it, and their passes, so crisp, so accurate. Same thing with the women's basketball. You know what? Uh, short, short way to explain – is that fundamentally, fundamentally, women's sports, uh, I think, is better um, it, overall is because, like, what they do, like, the simple things. And a lot of times, uh, I would say that there are liberties that get taken in men's sports, whereas, like, you know, people call it very uh, boring, but it's not, man. Like, mm-hmm. yo, I've seen – I've watched WNBA games where – you know, uh, player like players that are out on the court hitting with a hezzy, hezzy tween, hezzy tween, hezzy, like you know what I'm saying, or with like women's soccer now. Uh, this young lady, um, uh, James, that plays for England, 
um, uh, the the women lions, and uh, think she's a winger, but she's one of the most skilled players, and her brother plays for Chelsea. Like she, they both play for the same club, bro, and like she's she's a better player that like he's a dog. Don't get me wrong, but like he he has a tendency to get injured. Um, more frequently than she does she's just always and like she helped bring her team and drag her team to the women's world cup final you know what i'm saying so shout out hope solo uh it, nah bro shut up hey we're trying to have a serious conversation a fucking garbage pail person like the only reason this why this, you, bitch, this is, this nah, is what dude, judging my it, knowledge. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Because the only reason, nah, you brought this bitch's name into it. So now oh I'm going to tell boy. you exactly what it is. So the only reason why this bitch is not behind bars is because she is a fucking white woman. Wait, yep. what did she do? Nigga. Bruh, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, we ain't a whole nother pot. Yeah, we ain't. We ain't got <laughs> like, oh, all I was trying uh, to do I is just bring I up re- the fact I that Brianna, my shout out, Hope Solo. Better. Shout out to Alex Morgan. I was just trying to bring up the fact that Brianna Stewart got named WNBA MVP right. over Asia Wilson today. That right. That's it. I, I didn't but, mean to. So even with I, that. That's all uh, I was talking about. I looked up the voting, right? Mm-hmm. Asia Wilson came in third. Yes. Who was it? wasn't even. It wasn't even like she. Uh, uh, it was the, the girl from the Connecticut Sun. Yeah. So wait, Alyssa how Thomas. They, Alyssa how are Thomas. They voting? Are, is it like fan votes? Is it a media? Uh, it is. No, no, no. Hold on. I'm gonna Hold tell on. You. Let me see if I can find it because uh, I had it pulled up early and I didn't. It, the way the basically the way it works is similar to like how kind of in Major League w- Baseball, w- like how you have like first, second, third place votes or whatever. Uh, yeah, or okay, like okay. in the Heisman race, mm-hmm. kind of like the Heisman, how you uh, have like first, second, third, okay. fourth, fifth, and so then you accumulate points for where you rank on each list. It's it's, it's similar to uh, how how like uh, uh, soccer's World Player of the Year is voted. Well, yeah. to a point. So that one's a little bit more finicky because you've got like you've got all the national team captains across the globe vote, and I think they vote in order, but it is like a first place rank. Right, like it tallies where you get voted in first mm-hmm. versus second or third. It's really weird. Um, but th- so that's where my f- familiarity comes in in regards to how they voted. So is this a surprise as to who got? The well, here here's yes the thing. No. The way yes the way no. the points broke down was Brianna Stewart had four forty six. Uh, uh, Alyssa, Alyssa Thomas, Thomas had four thirty nine. And Asia Wilson had four thirty three, and that's national media. Oh, okay, and the biggest okay, okay. so and the biggest difference between Asia and Alyssa was really the the voting. Um, Asia had mm-hmm. seventeen first place, twenty five second, seventeen third, and one dumbass person voted for fourth place once. Where Alyssa Thomas had twenty three first place, twelve second, twenty five third. Brianna Stewart, which it looks a little, eh, eh, but she had 21st, 23 uh, second, and 17 third, which gave her the Wait, how many? How many first place did she have? 20. 20. 20. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. See, so and, that's the thing. It's and the fact that Alyssa Thomas had 23, so there was still three more mm-hmm. people that felt like she was better. It's which the I'm accumulation. All, 
All three of them had a pretty great season, though. If like to be completely honest, um, I think really it should have been Brianna and Asia fighting for that one two. In my personal, I think it was more we got Brianna. It it was more of her going from uh, Seattle, Seattle to New York to New York, the market. And New York going from where they were last year to where to they where are they are this year now, yep. and and with Asia it was like Vegas has been up here. Yeah, she's done nothing, and it's not a knock, it, but it's, she's done it's nothing almost, different. It's almost like, like the LeBron the effect same. with with Asia yeah. Wilson because she won MVP, I believe it was last year and uh-huh. other years. I think she's gotten it twice, yeah, right? Twenty twenty. Yeah, right, and then just yesterday or earlier today, she was named Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you know Brianna, she got this. Brianna won it in eighteen. Right, it was like she had the career she had at South Carolina. Then they erected a statue of her outside of South Carolina. She comes into the WNBA and and she's dominating the WNBA, and it's almost like okay. Asia Wilson fatigue maybe in the media uh, th- to me that's what I'm seeing un, un like um unrelated sorry one of my one of my friends just sent me uh this uh bit of uh news that I don't I don't think we uh covered um the Washington Commanders are being sued by the Native American Guardians Association which oh, has been trying to get the commanders it. to change the name back to the yeah, Lions. They want to change it back. So, so here's what it says. It says the lawsuit states the logo on the Redskins helmet is an actual person. It's Chief White Calf. Every mm-hmm. time they go out on that field, they were they honoring Chief him. White Calf, mm-hmm. and they were battling on the football field with the same honor and so, integrity bro, and courage. Shit, they man, uh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, Ahan, Before you say that, hold on. They're not wrong though because. When it came to them changing the name, everybody else was saying it was a racial slur in that the logo is this and that. But there nobody was a couple actually of, talked yeah. to there the was a couple of that tribes. it represented. Right. There was a couple of tribes that were on board with the name change saying that it was racist and this and that. But there were some of them, like the ones who coming out now, saying that they didn't want it changed. Well, tell them to go that, sit the fuck down. He, here's Honestly, the thing, I don't think it should have been changed. I was kind of on board with it not being changed. Uh, Here, here's the thing. you The, the voices like in the room term, that were the loudest, uh-huh. that got amplified, were the ones that agreed with the overwhelming majority of the people who said, we need to change this. So those voices from that Native American community were amplified because that's what the overwhelming majority wanted. Yep. Now that you see that there's... A, 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 a backlash against this and they want to say, hey, like, can we change it back? The reason why that's come about is because the team has been sold. Yep. So now they the want to try to appeal to the new owners to see if they can get the new owners to change uh, the name of the team. First off, it, it, no. It should have no. never been changed. I'm like, going to be completely it, honest. It, it, I don't no, or change it to something that actually honors like a tribe. So let's talk about like Florida State Seminoles. Well, that is a tribe that is around that mm-hmm. area. Like, what are we talking about, bro? Could it be the Washington, D.C. Cherokees? Because, I mean, my people got Cherokees. So I, I'm just saying that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I, think like, it, I don't bro. think it's the name, per se. I don't think it's the Redskin part ah. of it. It's just the logo. Well, I mean, I just logo, want... Redskin wasn't the derogatory word, though. No, no. I just want that small even from that article of, of my background that, to have something representing besides a raggedy-ass G. I hate you. Oh, right. But to what you were saying, Dre, I don't think it's... It's not the name. They don't... They're not contesting 
the name change, they want the logo part of it to go back to what it was. Oh, because the logo yeah. is what they're arguing about represented. Yeah, that's the that's logo. It's not the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it's not, that's that's it's not part the name. Of what it, they then, said when they yeah, fucking about put the logo earth. back on the helmet. It's better than yeah. that stupid ass C. Right, but when you have the look, so what they should probably understand is when you have the logo next to a derogatory term for people of your ethnic background. I can't argue. That's like us arguing, you know, the word nigga. Sir, like, I also, amongst ourselves. I have like a business family. I can, like so when people talk to me and like they try to qualify me as like, oh, you black? No, nigga, I'm also native. But I'm just saying for like, all right, for the other three, I, of us understand, here. I understand what you're saying. I'm not trying to be. <laughs> but what I what I mean though is I'm like, Scandinavian. Penalty box. Penalty box. Right now. Penalty box. Put him. God. <laughs> Can't stand this nigga, man. Nigerian. Boo, boo this man. Scandal Nigerian. Yeah, he gave me the Dom, the Dom Mysterio. Boo this boo. man. Boo. The Dom Mysterio, boo. We had to give you the Dom Mysterio, but. But nah, like it's it's just it's crazy. Well, my wife shook her head when I said Scandal Nigerian. <laughs> fuck is that? Cause what the fuck is that? Hey, he like my DNA test. My DNA test. I'm uh hey, he I'm, got his twenty three and me fifty two percent Nigerian, twelve percent Sierra Leonean, uh ten percent West African, three percent Kenyan, uh eight percent Scandinavian. Uh oh. <laughs> three percent uh Finnish, one percent Italian, which explains my love for pasta and pizza, and then three percent uh Middle Eastern, but the arrow points more at Egypt. So hey, Egyptian. That, that also explains his love of milk. Speaking of milk, <laughs> we're gonna move right along to the fifth topic. <laughs> the major league baseball season is just about over with. There's like maybe a handful of games left. Real simple, real quick, real easy. Who you got winning it all in one? Orioles. Yeah. Wait, what? I'm I'm shooting for the red Orioles. Fuck. I mean, he might not be off with that one. This game, like three different answers. I'm 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 a Reds fan, like Cincinnati. You know what I'm saying? I grew up during the era of like the big, well, post era. I think of Big Red Machine because he still had like Larkin. Sabo, Paul O'Neill, like we had some dogs, right? And then we just been dookie. And I feel bad for like, you know, a guy like Joey Votto, who is mm-hmm. a perennial all-star, putting up dumb numbers. And the at like we just kept giving away assets. Like the Reds have just been a feeder system of an organization to other teams. Like our players would leave. And then have better careers once they left Cincinnati. So the fact that you know, I think we're in the hunt still for the uh, wild cards. They're a game and a half back of the final wild card spot in the national. You know what I'm saying? So like that's where I think if the Reds get in, it's one of those things that like Cincinnati sports overarchingly is like making a turn, and that's FC Cincinnati is top of MLS. Uh, you know, the Bengals before the beginning of the season, 
uh, we were AFC North champions, still defending AFC North champions. Um, and that's where I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? How yeah. are we going to get there? I'm, I'm looking, honestly, uh, I think if it's not the Dodgers or the Braves, it's going to be one of those two teams because – that's what I was the, thinking. The, the, the Orioles, they've been doing a great job, and they're they're one of the top teams as far as run differential is concerned this year in Major League Baseball. But I just don't think that they have the experience that they're going to need to carry them through a couple of series in the postseason. And the Astros right now, that, that's, that's the team that I like the most. That's the team that I, I write about sometimes here in Houston. But – I just don't see them as surviving because they've been held together with band-aids and duct tape all season. I was I was gonna say that and they're that they're just not as consistent as they used to be. The uh, Houston Astros did I, I think also with like some of the the backlash that they got over you know the past couple of seasons, and plus that there's only so long that they can keep that championship caliber run going before other teams, you know, make the adjustments, right? So the craziest part about it is this season they they had injuries and they had poor performances. Once they finally got healthy, they started performing poor like right. over the last month or so. They had gotten regained their lead in the division and everything and then just started falling off. And it's like a veteran team like this should know better. Well, yesterday they had their get-right game against the Mariners, would actually put them up a game and a half. I want to say over Seattle for the last wild card spot mm-hmm. in the American League, and they're two and a half games back of the Rangers right now for the yep. division. But there's only like seven games left in the season, so it's pretty much null and void right now that they're going. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think they'll hold on to one of those last wild card spots. Yeah, they're they pretty much got it locked. I'm a Yankee fan, and I don't even think. We're pissing me off. What? They've been officially what? eliminated. I think today. what is happening? They, got, well, they won to, They did win today, but no, they're eliminated. I'm looking at it right now. Live. See, that makes me sad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I want to say George Steinbrenner would never stand for this. Welcome to living where the Rockies play. These <laughs> motherfuckers <laughs> lost 25 to Bro, one to the, the Angels. That the Yankees, I knew it was done. The fact that the Yankees and the Red Sox are out of the playoffs. Bruh, that's the only two teams from that AL East that have been eliminated right now is the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah, that's how crazy upside down baseball has been this year. What's uh, who who is the dude that changed like the whole? Who is that? Theo Epstein. Uh, Billy Bean. Uh, Billy DM? Bean is the one they made the uh movie Moneyball about over and over. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, about. I'm, uh, I'm talking Yankees? about. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I'm talking Cash? about Boston. Boston. Oh. oh yeah, Theo Epstein. That was him, Boy Wonder. Theo Epstein. Yeah, because Theo Epstein. Uh, I think didn't he also do the same thing in Chicago or Chicago? Yep. Yep. He brought them a championship. Yeah, Theo Epstein. To me, honestly, if if and I'm not just being a prisoner of the moment, but I honestly think Theo Epstein is the greatest baseball executive of all time. And I'm gonna call it. I don't care what baseball he, fans have to say he about did, it. He, he's the goat. He's the goat baseball exec. He did no, some shit no. for that Cash, Boston Red Sox no, team. Cashman is uh, up in up in New York. Uh, Cashman, he good, but I'm talking about historically good. He turned around. 
like the Red Sox hadn't won anything in a hundred years, and he he changed that. The Cubs hadn't won anything in like ninety some hundred years. He changed that too. Cashman, Cashman had, if I'm not mistaken, Cashman was still came in and was still uh, doing I some also work. Really hate Boston, so I don't know. it's all right. I know it's hard. For <laughs> That's because you ain't Yankees I, fan. I'm a Yankees fan Boston. too. I, I like. I'm also a Laker fan, and I hate Boston. I like <laughs> so, the Yankees, but what I'm, I'm saying an Eagles is fan. that. And I hate Boston. Let's let's put it like this: Brian Cashman is still not one of the best GMs of all time because he also had George Steinbrenner, who is one of the great, one of if not the greatest franchise owner in baseball, next to Marge Shot. Yeah, because yeah. Marge Shot comes in at a close second, even though she's she was super problematic. But she was racist. Hey, motherfucker! Listen, you're not wrong. We need that as a, we need that as a sound clip. You're not wrong. <laughs> we need she was racist you're, as a sound clip. You're not wrong. She but was racist. The woman would the woman would spend the money that was needed to get the players that mm -hmm. she needed to, so that they could win, right? But again, Marge Shot is just famous. She's not in any way, shape, or form a person that can tell you I because I used to live in Tampa and I I remember driving by because I would drive by Buck Stadium and then you drive by and you look and you're like, what the fuck is this big ass baseball stadium? And then lo and behold, when I first moved there, I didn't realize I was like, oh shit, this is where the Yankees come play. Yeah, it's training and complex. then you see in this like 27 champion world championships, and yeah. you're like, oh, like, yeah, fam. Like, <laughs> as much as you want to hate on Theo Epstein, Theo Epstein is th one of the greatest executives. Not only the fact that he did it with the payroll that he did it with in Boston, then turns around and goes to Chicago. And he put it with, back together there. With the curse sitting. I and, mean, it that, that's... Work. That's why I say. That's why I say he turned. He he brought championships to two teams that never thought that they would ever win them. There were literally fans who lived and died and said they never won. And then there are fans who like there's stories about people who died not too long after those two teams won World Series that say I can finally die in peace. Bill Buckner, he literally with lifted the weight of the world off of that man's shoulders. Yep. And I, I've never heard or seen or anything about Bill Buckner as much as I have since I want to say it was that 2004 World Series was the first mm -hmm. one that they won. I, I have not seen that much of Bill Buckner from 86 to 2004 as I have from 2004 to now. All because the Epstein won a couple of world titles up there in Boston. But I mean, we're, we're all thinking Orioles. I said Dodgers or Braves. I'm thinking Dodgers or Braves too, to be honest. Because I just see those teams as recently having been there more so in the past. And out of all the contenders right now, I just believe in those two teams more than I believe in everybody else, including my own team, the Astros. And I don't give a damn what Astros fans have to say because they complain about me anyway when I say something bad about them. You know what's Whatever. surprising? I would say what's surprising to me is the fact that, like, you know, you've got the Anaheim Angels who has an absolute unicorn as their ace and also one of their best power hitters. And, like, his on-base percentage, along with, like, 
strikeouts along with like games one inning set like you see what i'm saying like bro the fact that otani is a, a once in a lifetime player that man is a fucking amazing i would it, say well, two of two or three lifetimes yeah because if yeah. you think about it babe ruth at one point was looked at he was a pitcher and then exactly. becomes home run king. So he dedicated and completely switches. And I think he goes from pitching to first base. Wait, Babe Ruth was an outfielder. I, bro, I swear. That's was an crazy. I know. But all I'm saying is, is that, you know, you look at that. that he didn't do it. At the same time, I, I don't think in the in the way that Otani is like just chucking him into deep center type deal, but I think that I would oh man, it's like him De La Cruz for Cincinnati. Like mm-hmm. I'm excited now, and and I guess I'm paying more attention to baseball because in Mike Judd, right? Um, looking at players like that to where it's like it's a refresh um in that but i think i i i, I do like if, if the cincinnati reds aren't aren't going to make it to the playoffs then you know if i have to root for anybody i'm gonna root for the braves you know what i'm saying because uh man i i remember like that organization hasn't really brought itself back to like greatness since like greg maddox mm-hmm. uh david justice tom glavin, tom glavin smoke, like you know what i'm Steve saying Avery, like, bro Mark Lemke, terry pendleton they had squad david justice they had squad like i remember that team because the year that they went from worst to first i was in atlanta I lived there for a couple of years. So what was that? Uh 90-91. Yeah, because I was gonna say that was before the uh that, Olympics down there. That was when oh. they went to the World Series against the twins and uh John Smoltz and uh, uh Jack Morris had that infamous dual nine inning game, and then Jack Morris ended up pitching the 10. Smoltz had a reliever come in, and the twins I think ended up winning two one or one zero or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that world series. Yeah, I definitely remember that because I was. So, we were so you all guys into are calling it. what? Or, uh, I'm gonna say if I gotta Orioles. pick just one team, I'm gonna say the Dodgers. I'm no, no, say no, this no, is no, the no, year no. that I'm they. Gonna, I'm gonna go Dodgers. You don't even gotta go. Who's the winner? I just want you to give me your World Series matchup. My World Series matchup. I'm gonna say Dodgers Orioles. I can see that. I could definitely see that. I'm a, I'm a, you know, no, 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 no. I'm gonna say Braves, Braves, Orioles, Braves, Orioles, and and the Braves are gonna win it. I saw. I was gonna say, I think it's gonna be a, I think the World Series is gonna be a real shock this year. Braves and Orioles. That Braves Orioles is actually. I'm a no. You know what? I like the Phillies. Ooh. I like the Phillies. And you know, I'm. I, I like the Phillies that, to shock the Braves. That's that's not a bad pick. The only reason why I say the Braves is because the Braves have been they've been pitching very well, but they've also been killing the baseball all year long. And with a plus two thirty one run differential in Major League Baseball, like they, they're the only team right now with more than nine hundred runs scored. 
Like, there's not another team in Major League Baseball that has more than 900 runs scored. You know I think the closest team is uh, the Dodgers are at 881. You know what's low-key shocking this season, though? The Cardinals being last in the NL Central is Nigga. shocking as fuck. And the Angels nigga. pissing away more talent. Do you oh, know? The, the Angels is no longer a surprise to me because they wow. do this shit every year. Well, I the would say the, the, the Cardinals is more surprising. Talent the Angels throw a bunch of money, and they don't. it, it makes their roster lopsided. Uh... They don't know, like, in that, as much as people will, like, shit on Houston, Houston did, in the short amount of time frame, like, you're not really going to have much of a dynasty in today's age of sports, right? Um, Or at least in baseball, I don't think you're going to have the ability to have, like, a dynasty because there's so much money that can change the trajectory of a club either for an individual player or like, hey, we're going to allocate this money to a handful of players or we're going to reinvest this into our farm system. So there's there's so many different ways and so many different things that you can see. But, like, thank God Cincinnati is, like, doing something with their farm system players. We're not giving away assets. Like, like I said, man, for us to be, like, the first Major League Baseball team, it's like we – celebrate opening day like it's a national holiday in Cincinnati. But then it's like, well, we ain't got shit to talk about by the time the postseason rolls around. Mm -hmm. Right. I I think that that team is going to come up because what's going to end up happening is they're going to do if they play it right, kind of like what the Astros did Their 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 minor league system got depleted trying to hold on to a contender. They replenished it. And then you you just had the right flux of talent all getting good at the major league level at the same time. And then you had more talent to bring behind them. I think Cincinnati is definitely on their way. We it's, it's been a long time coming for sure. Um, I will say that, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what next season looks like. I, I would personally say that my affinity for baseball has fallen off. similar to how, like I didn't really pay attention to, uh, NFL getting because it's like, yo, the teams that I grew up supporting, um, have not been good over a long period of time, bro. I remember at one point in time, I like hit the hat trick of like dog water teams that I supported, like, bro, Arsenal, we were shit, <laughs> like, wow, it, it, like, we were shit, bro, like, post Arsene Wenger era. Like, the best that he could do, like, the dude was juggling, and you have to understand the difference between, like, world football versus, like, what you see in, like, America. Like, the MLS, the the head coach doesn't have to worry about the finances of the club. He doesn't have to worry about um, the, the, the finances of the club or, like, what you can do to expansively grow the club. Like all you need to concern yourself with is trying to put together a roster with the help of your general manager. Right. Um, According to American sporting standards, with the help of your general manager who has more power than you would want to have. Whereas like when you're talking about world football or European based football, like the manager 
manages a lot, like all of the club's importance. He is the person that you put as the figurehead that if shit goes bad, then he's at fault. So, like, Arsenal was terrible. Arsene Wenger, like, we moved into a new stadium. We were selling away a lot of our best players. Our best players were leaving. They were going to fucking Man U to win him a title. Uh, they were going to uh, Manchester City to win him a title. You know what I'm saying? They're going to all these different places. Our talisman leaves to go to Barcelona, ends up winning the treble type shit. Like it, So I hated it. And all that being said is, is just now, like, I pay attention because we've gotten better. And it, like, why the fuck would I spend money if I don't see you investing into – a team that you want me to support every year for what, bro? Like we had a terrible in Cincinnati. We had a terrible uh, uh, culture in the locker room underneath like uh, Marvin Lewis, even though at the time Mike Brown thought that he was his dad and he could do all these things in regards to, we don't need a GM. I can make the decisions for it. Nigga. Reds just beat the guardians tonight fucking right 11 son. to 7 you know what i'm saying uh cincinnati <laughs> runs ohio type shit um <laughs> but and while he's saying that the astros are down five nothing even though the the angels are taking care of the rangers this is what i'm talking about when i say i get frustrated covering this team because they have a chance to make a game up on the division and you blow it. hey man listen you know what I'm saying? If we can get that last spot in the wild card, I think the Reds are going to surprise some folks. I don't think we're going to make anywhere close to um, uh, the World Series by no means. But I think if they make the final wild card spot, mm-hmm. they might advance to possibly like the semis. But this is division. this is my thing. Get in. Just yeah. give yourself a chance. Totally different season after that. It, it's it's a whole new deal after that. You just have to get in and give yourself the chance. You know, once you're in, anything can happen. Like, we've seen literally a, a sixth seed in the Giants go on to defeat the, the undefeated number one seed Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Like, we've seen a 16 seed finally be the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Like right. we've seen eight seeds in the NBA beat one seed. We, you know, we've seen all of this happen. So as long as you get in and give yourself a chance, at least that to me means more than just, you know, you're not even making it. But I know we run a little bit long because it was our first episode and we we're just shooting the shit like we normally do. But last topic real quick. What is your because I always like to keep it a little loose sportsy, not really sportsy. So what is your go to game day food and or snack? Cheese pizza. Chicken. Because I'm a nigga. <laughs> uh, OK, so it could be wings. Wings for sure. Yes. Um. Let's see. Oh, man. Am I talking like. It depends on what what I'm watching sports wise, because like with football, like that's more of like a long, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. with soccer, I'm not I'm not really eating wings. Um, mm-hmm. maybe 
Nah, yeah, for real, bro. Because like with when it comes to like how I watch soccer is completely different with how like Americans watch like football or basketball. Like I'm probably at the pub, even though I can or don't need to be drinking. But like we're in there cheering, we're in there chanting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like fully immersed. Yeah, it's it's different. It's fully a different different atmosphere. <laughs> so. Like when it comes to like football or like uh you know Super Bowl, like I I kind of think in that realm. So it's probably like a, a dip with some chips or something, or um uh fucking wings. You know what I mean? Something that's like finger food s uh buffalo chicken dip for sure. You know what I'm oh saying? So like oh buffalo chicken dip with like the uh uh um scoop the Frito scoops. Yeah, do bang it. Okay, bang. I, I'm gonna make a mean buffalo chicken dip. Oof. See, that's I gotta I gotta figure out one because I've I've I made like that seafood stuff with I put on the fries and everything and that was cool and the fajita nachos and all that I, I could do all of that but I, I I haven't tried to make a buffalo chicken dip yet so that that's gonna be and it's, like and the crazy the thing is it's, it's it's slightly easy it's like an easy. Five ten minute thing. That's it's what everybody says. That's but I know some people says. that mess it up. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> I know people that will mess up a buffalo chicken dip, and I'm like, how yeah. the fuck? How? It's you, like making you rice. Really? Can. How do you? How do you mess up rice? Oh, bro! If they if they not in the crock pot. If they yeah no if they overcook it in the crock pot. Oh like, my god! Some people yes. just dude seriously. Uh, so there's this thing in Cincinnati. Uh, I saw it. Uh, I guess it's so I saw I to explain it is stupid, but if you're familiar with Cincinnati, um, you know, Skyline or Gold Star, uh, right? So there's like something where, and I don't know who the fuck came up with this. So they take a cheese pizza slice from La Rosa's, which is Cincinnati or one of the more famous, um, uh, local Cincinnati pizzerias. Um, and then they take a cheese coney. Now I don't know if it's gold star or whatever. And then they wrap this shit like a chili cheese coney inside of a fucking slice of pizza, and then you take a bite. I don't know. I don't remember what it's called, but supposedly that shit hits. Like the the guy, I think that you know he was at the Reds ballpark, and then he was like, "Yeah, I don't know who the fuck came up with this." Takes a bite, and he was like, "You know what? I don't hate it the way I thought I would." This hey, I'm it's actually it's actually and he sat there, he was like, I'm gonna take another bite. And I'm like, oh yeah. shit, now I gotta try it. My game day thing, I think I would go sandwiches, tacos, chicken wings. Uh like but like small tacos. Like yeah. Small- not, I mean, not 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 yeah. like the big the mini tacos? stupid taco, but like like um like I just get the regular tortillas from H E B or whatever, and I, I may make one or two at a time. All right, hold on. Question, because this is important. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I will judge you. Uh, corner flour tortillas. Uh, flour. I prefer. Actually, it's actually a butter flour tortilla. It's not just a regular flour tortilla. Either that or the Southwest, quote-unquote, tort- flour tortilla because it's, it's kind of spicy. 
I don't give a fuck. Another, uh, another great uh, game day snack is uh, when you uh, pull up to Pound Town and eat whatever they're serving. God damn it. I knew it. See? It, why did I? And there you have it, ladies and this gentlemen. This is where we got to go. This is Sucio Sports, the pilot episode. Just <laughs> wanted course. to get y'all introduced to us. This uh, nigga was going to end it on some Sucio shit. Exactly. Because that's just what we do. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say something, and Dre held it together way too long. So that nigga was just let it out. He was holding that shit. I was letting y'all have your wholesome conversation. I was like, all right, now it's time to do this. He just come in, just. I mean, just. Yo, I do got. I do. I do have a shirt in my Amazon cart that says "Mayor of Pound Town." It's about to be on and popping at the gym. Uh, Send it. We about to you. mute his mic or something, man. Look, we Send about to get link. out of here. I mean, the link to that shirt. I <laughs> <laughs> need the link for that shirt. My wife looking at me judgmentally, like you better hey, not order another shirt. We about to get out of here. I appreciate you, gentlemen, for stopping by. We're gonna do this again next week. Everybody, thank y'all for tuning in. We'll see y'all next week. You're. Yeah.